All righty, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Off Center Archers. This is Anthony, and I got Dougie with me, and we got some more special guests for this one because we had a fantastic idea from on the way back from the... Uh, while we were the, there, actually. Well, yeah, while we were at the 3D event at Robin Hood Archery Club today in South Carolina. It was definitely a different feel for the, uh, the event itself. Yeah, much different. Uh, not so trainy. Well, yeah, yeah. This is Doug learned yeah, very my, quickly my that footing when, was a lot better. Yeah, when you're in South Carolina and you see Western Carolina event written in front, that means it's going to be some steep angles. Whereas today was technically a South Carolina ASA shoot that we went to, so everything was much more even. Once again, your, your phone has got to screw up a recording. Once again, always. <laughs> Whatever. I forgot it was on there. Jesus. I was not expecting it to vibrate. I bet you don't make a woman happy it vibrated so hard. Oh my God. Anyway, so back to the topic. I'm so glad you're at your house when we record normally. Anyway, so, but we had a good day today. Dougie lost again. <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> so, it doesn't help that my windage was off when we decided to go. Fuck it, let's fix this freaking pillow that I have for a handle. Yes, yes, yes. You, you're, uh, you had. But as soon so as I rocked tape. that, as soon as we fixed that windage, ooh, yes, was it, it was good. Yes, it was much better. So, all right. So let's get to the other guests of the show. So we're gonna bring in Rich first, all the way from across the pond. Rich, introduce yourself. Evening, guys. I'm Rich from the Archery Geek Outdoors. Oh, here we go. I've lost the plot already. The Archery <laughs> Geek Outdoors podcast. He's been drinking like me. I'm that limey middle-aged gobshite. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we have one of our most esteemed uh, archery buddies in the industry, Mr. C Coach Angel Garcia. Hey there. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm the host of the High Power Archery Podcast, uh, connoisseur of accessories that are too expensive for my budget. And if any of my students mm -hmm. are listening to this, you are to shut it off right now. <laughs> Might be good advice. Your parents can listen to it, but kids go to sleep, please. <laughs> so. And we have everybody on here today because we've been wanting to get everybody on. We wanted to always have Rich on the show. We wanted to have Angel. We've had Angel on the show before, but since me and Doug were together, and Angel is notorious for getting emails about yes. form, consistency, and so on, we decided who better for Angel to pick on than me and <laughs> Dougie Boy over here. So, and he Probably knows. Have to give up archery after this, won't I? Yeah, very possible. Dougie's like, I'm going to cry. I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> But Angel also knows on this show, Angel doesn't have to hold back for nothing at all. So he is safe to say whatever he damn well pleases. Well, let, let, let me just start with, I'll start with the, the opinions given shortly, therefore, will be constructive criticism. So don't take it fucking seriously. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, Mind you, I've just only been shooting for four years. <laughs> yeah, Dougie's much newer to archery than I am. That's for sure. It is my fault, though. He got into it. I caused the expensive thing that no longer allows anyone to afford alcohol or drugs. Or tattoos. <laughs> or tattoos. He, he, he stopped my arm. He stopped halfway through a sleeve tattoo of Marvel and was like, I got to buy a new bow. <laughs> so. <laughs> but. Yeah, so we decided it Can would be a good idea. To archery, they'll never be able to afford drugs. It's so true. It's true. It's true. You know, it's. It, 
It's like, oh, how much did you pay for your dozen arrows? Ah, it was like 200 bucks. Oh, it's not bad for a full set. No, that was just the shafts. It's like, oh, geez. Ah, uh, see, I'm a tight ass. I'm running those skyline steps at the moment. 48 quid for a dozen shafts. Wow. Oh, I wish I could find. Put them over the bare poor analyzer, and they're within a nat dick of tolerances of the Victory RIPTKOs. Nice. That's very nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's this. Yeah, yeah Doug's yeah, like, here, yeah. my son's not shooting his bow anymore, and these are the leftovers. And he had like full length shafts, rip, uh, rip TKOs, mm -hmm. the, the 166 diameter arrows, full length. So I heated the tips up because I knew I got to cut three or three and a half, almost four inches off them. And now I got a set of 300 spines that I'm going to hope I don't blow through another target and shoot my fence with. Because if I, you know, it's bad enough with the inertia with a, a 420 grain arrow is pushing like 312 to 314. Bloody so, hell. Oh, yeah, that arrow, that bow is disgusting. And that's what people don't understand. Like, I joke around, like, I have the new EVL 32 and everything, and I like the bow. It's smooth. There's things about the bow that, that to me are its downfall. It's not aggressive enough. It's not aggressive enough for me as a hunting bow just because I'm used to shooting bows like the decree and the inertia that are have all have the ic cams which are super aggressive your arm off yes um whereas like if i put the fl mod on the evl 32 and it gives it it gives it the bump and speed you get that harder lobe as you dump into the valley and everything like that and it's just it's a lot firmer that's when i start to like the bow it's one of the reasons like why originally the whole thought was i was going to go from the inertia to an expedite because i like these freaky heavy bows that are just insanely fast um yeah uh, like, i mean that's that's like my kuma it's a 75 percent let off it's quite an aggressive cam and when we chronoed it yesterday chucking a 430 grain arrow out at 305 feet a second see that's nice oh, that's not bad that's very good that's great speed for sure you know that, that that's when you see, can most build can't get lazy on the back wall though oh yeah most people look at me and they're like uh, why are you shooting such a long hunting bow? Because this was the first year I ever shot anything less than 35. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I kind of like my bows to be extra long. Yeah, but if you're going to hunt from a tree stand, I'm like, okay, um, maybe you have a problem. I don't. And I'm a target shooter, so I've always used really long bows. And yep. I before before 2006, I don't think I ever shot a bow that was that was shorter than 40 inches, whether it was a hunting bow or not. So it's like... You know, everyone's getting these super, super short bows. I'm like, not for me. I like them. I like them as long as possible. And when they chopped the, the PSE line and hunting bows down to a 34, I was like, oh, am I going to like this? But the EVL was cool. So it's good. Yeah, it's only age less. When you also have that Evolve cam on a 34-inch bow from PSE, that, that's a big, big cam. <laughs> so Which makes it about 38 over overall. So I'm happy with it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think even for me, the third, like yeah, I walked an extra four inches between friends. Oh, <laughs> I don't know, man. She might get upset if that answer comes out, you know? <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Just you did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, let's see. Where do you want to go right into the critiques? Let Angel rip us apart or what? Yeah, sure. All right. Come sure. on, Angel. Start Hit with us him later, brother. Start with Anthony. <laughs> all right. We're, we're going to start with you, Anthony, first. That's fine. Okay. Um, the only, okay, so I, I looked at all the different angles that you have. <laughs> a couple of things that immediately when I looked at from, from the rear shot that you have that came, came out and I saw it right away, the first thing that I see is either your 
your bow has got too much weight on the left side or you're pulling um instead of pulling straight you're pulling your bow to the left like you're trying to pull the bow apart and it's not going out straight because if you look at some of the slow slow motions of the shot from the rear once you go once you fire there's kind of like a little violent pull to the left of your front arm so what happens with that that's usually from too much weight on the bow mm. and the other thing that I see related to that, which you have to be careful with, is the grip. Now, as you always say, you have these gigantic meat hooks to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. So, I lost 30 so pounds what, and my wedding ring is still a size 12. <laughs> so so what, what happens is with that, um, your hands is a little bit closed around the bow and the bow can't come out of your hand as easily. So it's got to travel forward mm -hmm. because of that. I'm seeing it just kind of like sitting there and it's kind of like getting gripped. So that tends to give you a lot of torquing in some cases. But the one thing I'm going to say, there's other things that will go through on yours. But the one thing I'm going to say about you and Doug, you both have the same thing going on. You all use wrist straps on those bows. Okay. So you've got the, you've got the slings, mm -hmm. but they're way too tight, way, way too tight. And you can see it when you're firing that, it automatically is choking the bow because the bow is almost falling down on it. So that's going to induce a lot of torque by itself. I usually see this hmm. from students that come to me and, I, and I'm working with them. And the first thing I do is without saying anything, I'm like, go ahead, do me a favor, uh, draw your bow back and take, take two shots. And undoubtedly with almost 95% of bow hunters, I see it and it'll carry through to some target shooters as well. When they have that kind of uh, sling on there, they tend to put it way too tight. The idea behind the sling is to catch the bow. If you, if you would, if it rolls forward, which is not a problem, but in order to do that, you have to have at least an inch or two of slack around it. So it's not actually contacting your wrist when you're in the shot. Oh. If you don't do that, what's going to happen is it's going to induce torque on the way out. Now, depending on how your bow is weighted out as far as your stabilizers, um, in your case, I think it's actually ripping you to the left. So if you have misses, I would think that a lot of your misses probably happen a little bit more to the left than not. No, no, it's um, not probably. It's all of them. Yeah, all of them were. All of them. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's two things there. One is the grip. Um, and the other thing is the sling. So you grip, you know, you tend to have a little bit of that lobster claw thing going on, but that's because your hands collapsing around it. I do notice that when, and that's not, not a big issue because what I want to do is kind of tell you what I'm seeing and also how I would fix it if I had to. Mm. So that's two things that I see. The other thing that I see is you have, um, a very straight setup to the target. So you're literally lined up against the target. Um, the problem with that is if you drew back with your eyes closed and opened your eyes, you're going to see the natural. And I've talked about this in other podcasts before, but you'll see the natural position of where you are actually aiming, aiming from. So when you think you're lined up to the target and you draw back and you anchor, you open your eyes, you may find out that you're either left or right of the target where you thought you're going to be because mm -hmm. your body is normally trying to turn one way or the other. But what happens is when you then open up your eyes and you line up to the target, well, when you fire, your, your waist wants to snap back to wherever it's norm, normally going to be positioned. When that happens, you could wind up missing to the left or to the right because your body is swinging the minute that shot goes off and all that energy is going out. So that's the other thing. And the last thing that I, that I saw going on with you is, 
and it, I noticed that you adopted kind of, I don't know if you've always drawn like that. You kind of adopted the way the Jack draws, which is like above his head and all that, that coming down. I, I started doing that primarily after the direct that yeah, I was involved the, in. Yeah. That actually stops my front shoulder from tweaking out on me. Otherwise, I'll, if, if I try to draw like Doug where his back elbow is lower, I feel my yeah. front shoulder try to rip forward on me. And there's there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's all about what you do once you're there. Mm -hmm. So now you're you're getting into place. Do you find yourself dropping out of the target a lot? It, it depends like on on the angle and a lot of times. Okay. Your shot if I right? try to set too fast, I'll drop out the bottom. <clears throat> yeah. Like if you mm -hmm. like, there's sometimes where I can set quickly. It just depends really on the angle. If like it's yeah. on a slight uphill, I can set immediately and I'll never drop out. But if I have to yeah. continually drop down, let's say it's something more than like a negative seven incline or a decline, yeah. that's when all of us after seven to ten, I'll start to bob slightly up and down. Okay. So the other thing that I noticed with that, with the high elbow in the back and all, and there's nothing wrong with having that elbow high up there. If that's where you're comfortable, if that's where your shoulder normally locks. There's no issue with that. Um, but when you shoot uphill shots, most people notice it in downhills, but I tend to notice it more on uphills. So if you're pulling all the way back, and I see that you still have tension in your arm when you're pulling it back, but most people, when they pull back, even though the way that I teach it is not to have any tension on that forearm, you have a lot of tension going on there. When you draw, and if you're going to shoot uphill, I think you're going to have a problem with your shoulders trying to get them to balance out because what's going to happen is your shoulder right now, your front shoulder, while it's not pushing forward, like you said, that's where it starts to hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that does happen with it is it's above your normal plane. So if you drew a plane straight across the back of your shoulders, you would see that your top shoulder is kind of floating in there. It's not actually locked into the socket, which it can, it can hurt in a lot of different ways. You're doing it like that to keep the, the stress and all that off of it. The only thing I will caution you against is if you do that and you do it extensively, especially with uphill shots or with a little bit too much repetition, you're going to hurt your shoulder a little bit more. Right. So you have to be careful with that. So it's got to suck into the front shoulder joint because if it doesn't, and it's even though it's it's not popping outwards, it could be back. But if it's not, if it's floating and it's not locked in, it's going to tend to do some pretty bad stuff when it gets a violent reaction out of the bow. Now your stabilizers don't look bad. So I see you guys are fans of wick sticks. It looks like wick sticks to me oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my front one so, is my two back are shrewd. Oh, okay. Um, it doesn't look like the stabilizer makeup of the bow is too bad, but I think that you could probably clean up a lot of the stuff with two simple things, which is one. Um, and I think you'll be surprised if you put 10 shots at just the center of paper without trying to put, put a blank piece of paper and put 10 shots at like 30 yards, just centering the piece of paper. I think that if you loosen up that wrist strap so you don't even it's not even touching your wrist when when you're at full draw so you've got like an inch of space in there i think you're going to see your groups are going to do one of two things like that your groups are either going to be all left or they're going to be up and down kind of like um i, I call them doing the stairs where they're up and down instead of going in a round circle they'd mm -hmm. be up and down and the only way we see that is when we shoot a blank paper because targets tend to get some people some weird reactions mm -hmm. but uh that's that's what I see going on with yours. But overall, there's there's nothing really wrong with it. Um, everything looks fine. Last question I got for you is though: Do you touch? Because I saw this with Doug a little bit. Do do you touch your your forearm um, with that uh, with with that string stop or not? With the string. Does it touch your forearm? 
Yeah. No, I, I haven't touched a string stop in a long time. What string stop? Yeah, the string stop on the bottom of the bow. Do I? No, not at all. Not that I know. Not that I'm it aware of. Touch? No, because when I saw a couple shots and it looked like you had that it was tapping right where your tattoo is when the shot went off. So anything that and that's not that's probably because <clears> your shoulder's floating a little bit. And you may not even notice it at all, but what happens is when you fire, if the string stop bounces off you, well, picture that. It bounces as the shot's going off, the bow swings out away from you, your shots go left. Mm. So that can happen a lot too. Um, but all in all, the, the form is very clean. Um, the only thing that I would really check is that that sling. I loosen it up a lot. Okay. Um, done. And I'm, I'm doing see... mine right now. <laughs> <laughs> See Doug dis disappear out of the picture. He's in the garage working on two performances. So, so the sling, the sling is one, and the other thing is, um, before you change anything on the stabilizers, like I said, just take your normal stance and, and your approach to the target, and draw it back with your eyes closed, and see where you're where you're actually going to wind up. So right. if you put the scope on the target and draw it back, close your eyes at, during the draw, and then take take a look and see where you wind up. You're probably going to be to the left. And if that's the case, then the only thing you got to do is to remember that when you when you line up to the target, be slightly off to the left of it. This way, you don't have that whip back that happens when when you fire. Because mm -hmm. when that explosion happens, your body wants to go where it wants to go, hmm. and that always influences the shot. Um, some of my girls that when I when I first see them like that, they have very minor ones. And there were two girls I had where that whip was so bad that. They went from out of 300 games, they went from 230s to uh, 290s in like two weeks. Wow. Because nice. they were just, they were that far off. And I see that a lot. So that's one thing just to watch. But the wrist trap, I think, is probably the bigger thing. Okay. Um, that That's going to drive you nuts. But that's your, your criticism that I can give you. And I, as I said, that's only constructive. But no, no, that's what we want. Small little helpful. You know. I, uh, the thing I think that people need to also understand is like when you do give criticism on your yeah. podcast, it's more, yeah. you know, the, the professional coach. Whereas me, yeah. everyone knows you could be just explain it to me like I'm some dude in the Bronx, like back in the day, and it'll be <laughs> fine. And I won't care because I need the truth smacked into me like an old school New Yorker. So it is what it is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, that's so, like one of the but, guys. But, I but think if I have a bad shot, he just looked at me and said, "Well, that was a shit shot, you wanker." That was me and him today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me and him today. As soon, there was one of the shots that he, and he has it like me. The the concept of letting down is not, for the most part, is not going to fucking happen. No, no, it's like, oh, we're going to time that swing. Just fucking karate chop the shit out of the trigger half the time, and most of the time we're still good. We can get the ten ring even out of like forty, forty-two yards, no problem. But he did that yeah. on one, and it wasn't even like a wiggle. His whole entire upper portion went boop, and he somehow catches it on the bounce. I have no idea how he even remotely hit the animal. But, but yeah, but if we didn't set, reset that tension on my on my uh, stand, I would have been that thing would have gone off. Oh yeah, we had to severely tighten his. Uh, me and him basically, we both I didn't even realize we actually have the same release. Like I've shifted okay. over to stand and. I got sick and tired of trying uh, hinges and everything like that because everyone, like, oh, you know, try the hinge and he did the same exact thing. So we both jumped on the hinge train for a very short amount of time. They scare me. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. I think, they, well, my, hinges scare me. I my just... biggest mistake was I liked the way the seer shot. 
but the click was so aggressive it scared the hell out of you. Yeah, I've had that issue with true ball, any kind of true ball hinge mm-hmm. they, they, that I've had because I never used the, the the true fire stuff. But with the hinges on true balls, that click is pretty aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So when when and I'd have people start aiming, all of a sudden the click comes out and they're completely off. Mm-hmm. It's like it just scared the living daylights out of them. And then to not go from that to no click was just too much. Oh, yeah, so I was, they, I was they get trying stocked. to use That's why a, I put it back uh, to buttons. Mm-hmm. I was trying to use a true ball um, BT gold. And uh, learning on that, I was just like, okay, well, this is a simple one. Let me try this one. And I just find I, I was firing it like my friggin' thumb button just rip, rip, barely even hear the click. Yep. And I was just like, yep. uh, I'm never going to get this. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, tr- I ended up trading my Seer for a Stan SX2. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I want to try a Stan. I know Dougie was shooting a Stan. I didn't even know what Stan he had. Well, I ended up getting a four-finger Stan SX2, and he shoots a three-finger Stan SX2. Yeah. It's so weird, too. It's like when you want to try something, and you're like, well, this model's above the one I have. Let me try that. Mm -hmm. So now I also have a prefix. And I will tell you just from the way that it's it's so stupid because they're made by the same company. But just by the way that release feels, I already know for a fact I'm going to sell the prefix because there's something about the feel of the hook that goes around your finger on the SX2. On your forefinger. Yeah, on your, on your index finger. I don't know. I, it's hard to describe because he even said the same exact thing. The prefix stops like it's right on the side of your finger, whereas the SX2 completely like three-quarter wraps around to the front of your index finger. Yeah, and there's it just it helps with my anchoring, right? It does something about it where it spreads your fingers of your fingers, fingers. Wow, we're making up words <laughs> again. Fingers, yeah. What was uh, the word love with last night? That, that that word came right out of the village somewhere. It was like the fingers. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> so but no, but there's definitely something about the way that arrow uh, that release feels that it allows you to absolutely 100 percent feel your entire jawbone when you go to to anchor properly. So. And it just, it's just weird that we ended up having the same exact one. So now I'm here going, hmm, I think I'm going to sell the prefix and get see if I can get the newer <laughs> version and get the SX3. Mm, yeah, it, it's, it, it releases, I mean, a lot of the coaches around here, they, they're, all, they're all telling, if you say target to them, they're like, oh, you have to be on a, on a back tension. I'm like, yeah, no, none of my kids shoot back tensions anymore. No. It's all buttons and that's all they use. Um, but when it comes to any release, I don't care if it's a back tension, a button doesn't make a difference or even a tension activated release, which don't get me started on those. Um, <laughs> if it's any of those, you still have to find a release where the, f- the fit of the release sings to you. It yeah. has to be like this. This is the one that I like. Yeah. I can tell I save most of most of my people, you know, time with that because I have a box of releases in my shop that. I must have 75 different releases in there. And that's a good thing because, and, you know, with the prices of releases nowadays, it's like, uh, do I really want to drop two, $300 on a release and go, nope, it's exactly. not for me. Then you're screwed with it. You're so full of shit because your answer is yes. No, well, and then I have, I sometimes I have no choice. His answer is yes, he would. And then I have the other box, which has got about 30 releases in it. And those are all the ones that didn't fit properly. Mm. And as a result, were shot through bows. Or wrecked bows. Oh, oh, wow! That's so, more releases than most pro shops in the UK carry. <laughs> so I've got some that have wrecked Hoyt risers that uh, had a kid with a brand new Hoyt, 
And I told him, I said, that release does not fit you right. You're slipping out. He was barely grabbing this this uh, this true ball uh, HPC by his fingertips. And that sucker went right through the riser, cracked the riser, destroyed it. Because it, it was one of their um, brass releases. Oh. I've got all kinds of stuff like that. So that's why I tell him, like, if it doesn't fit in your hand right and you're truly relaxing and trying to do everything to control your shot, that's dangerous because, yes, the hook that exists on your hands will hold anything. But especially if the release don't fit right, it's going to fly out. And when it flies out, it'll take the string with it and all kinds of bad stuff will happen. So I let them, you know, get to fit and feel the one that they like and feels the best. And I don't care if it takes them hours to figure out which is the best one. Um, I'd say about 80% of my kids, including myself, uh, use a Carter Wise Choice only because for one reason. And it's one reason, it's a stupid reason, but it's my reason. Um, it's one of the few releases that you're going to see that has a completely enclosed index finger on it. Right. So yeah, your like finger goes to in, it and shit. And there is no way it's coming out, especially if I put a lanyard on or something like that. That sucker ain't going nowhere. Um, the the gears on it are better. They seem to fit a lot, and I can actually adjust it. At least the older versions, I can adjust a lot more. The new versions, they took away a couple of the adjustments. Mm -hmm. but it seemed to be the go-to, especially for new kids who are doing this. Yeah, it's one of the more expensive releases out there. So most right. of the time, they wind up using mine until they can afford one of their own or until I come across a used one. That's why the only time you catch me on Archery Talk is when I'm shopping their classified ads or something like that or on <laughs> Facebook. I think um, I'm still banned. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, I think I'm still banned. Well, if they knew what my screen name was, they would ban me. Oh. But, but they don't. Um, or I'll find a His Facebook name classified is... <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, fuck that. That's not going to happen. Because uh, I like to go on there just to see the stupidity and the stupid shit that people are talking. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, but the classifieds are useful in some ways. But I'll go on there and I'll just buy releases for no reason because some of the kids, they're never going to afford a $200 release. No. It's yeah, just yeah. not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if I can get a used version release for 75 bucks. I'll get a used version of the release for 75 bucks. I'll send it to my guy in Texas. He'll repaint it. You know, because they're usually all scratched up and all that. He'll either repaint it or something like that. Or last year, I actually got one that I was going to test. And the guy said it was completely broken. So I'm like, okay, fine. I wanted to test anodizing it myself. I tried it. Uh, I fucking melted it. <laughs> because you will melt aluminum the wrong way. That is something I like to watch a video of. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But yeah, the release has got to fit right. Your releases look like they fit you really, really well in your hands. Mm -hmm. So you're happy with them. Oh, and yeah. equipment is a big percentage of success. Mm -hmm. Now, well, it's also weird too, since the, because you mentioned the, the feel of the equipment. Yeah. We actually mm -hmm. changed, well, not only did we change Doug's um, tension adjustment on his thumb button. Yeah. But he also, I don't know where he got it from, but his barrel was completely polished smooth. Okay. And I'm I'm not a skinny barrel person. I'm I'm you know with fat hands. I want a fat barrel. You know no. Yeah. So I had already purchased the upgraded fat barrel from Lancaster Archery and everything, and already had it mm -hmm. here on my bow. So I still had the full textured skinny barrel. So yeah. we swapped out on hit that onto his plus fixed his tension, and he's like, okay, this feels so much better. <laughs> you know, and it's true though. That's what makes the you know a lot of the products that you're going to use. You customize them to you. We changed his tension. We changed, you know, the barrel from, and I mean, it was glass polished smooth. Well, I, I don't, yeah. it was a hell of a polish job. 
and we gave him, I gave him the one with the diamond cut in it and everything like that to put on his. And it was night and day difference. We were out in the backyard here shooting 45 and change yards yeah. in my backyard. Cause I mean, if we shoot yeah. di- diagonal right now across my yard, we get out to 65. 62. Yeah, was it 62? It was 62. All right, so 62 on an angle in my yard. <laughs> if I open my fence, we can go to 90. So it's not bad. Yeah. bombs. So, so when it comes to 3d print barrels, Anthony, huh? Don't you just 3D print barrels for the releases? No, I don't do the bar- no. I see, I, I see. That's the bad part. Like I, when it comes to certain things, yeah, we do the 3D. Pr- I mainly do the 3D printing stuff for Stephanie's business, uh, uh, shooting skulls and whatnot. I try to stay away from other people's stuff that's already being done. So yeah. that's why I did the generic easy pocket quiver. I wanted to keep it cheap, keep it easy. People are still shocked that we sell it for twenty dollars, and including sh- you know shipping's included, and we sell the what is the shot? I think the shot train is 20, 20, 20 bucks also, and that's including shipping. I just wanted to do stuff that was simple and easy, but I don't want to step on anyone else. That's why, like, if you see a, a bunch of the shot trainers out there, no one wants to admit it. If you take some of the shot trainers and you take it against, let's say the uh, the Matthews Engage grip, the entire curve radius is identical to the Matthews. Uh, engage grip whereas me uh, uh, whatever i've been a psc guy for i mean since they absorbed browning back in the early 90s um so i've always shot pscs or let's see what the only other bows i've owned besides psc is i own one matthews and i own three bears at one point the bear grip and the psc grip are almost identical the psc grip is slightly fatter so what did I do? I naturally went to what I shot. So I made the the shot trainer that we do is based on a PSC grip. The angle is based on a PSC grip. And yes, if anyone has a brain, there's a good chance Glock probably cop the, copied the PSC grip <laughs> angle because it's just about the same damn angle. Okay. It's very, very similar to a Glock pistol grip. Um, so, and that's what I did. I, I just don't like stepping on other people's stuff. Like everybody knows I have, I have huge respect for, uh, Kelby and everybody at Ultraview. They make the funky fingers and shit like that. I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. I don't want to do that type of crap. I mean, that's that all over the thing. You've heard Scott's Brian at the Archer's Nest. He, he flogs them five quid a piece. The, all the different thumb buttons. Mm-hmm. And he's got some really like the, the ones off the Carter chocolate addiction, that real fat one. Mm-hmm. He prints them. I've got one of those, but I, I mean, I've had to come away from the thumb button. I just can't shoot it. I'm too inconsistent, and yeah, I'm, but, I'm back on the old wrist rocket. Yeah, but that's what, that's the same thing, me, though, Rich. Me. It's the thing that works for you. Mm-hmm. That yeah. I mean, that's I mean, oh, that's God, Angel's yeah. point of that is it should go primarily for everybody. Use what works for you. I mean, I mean, hell, like you know, like like uh, Angel said, I, I I run into Jack Wallace and Sharon Wallace all the time. You know, down here at the ranges, and oh yeah, by the way, congrats to Jack and Sharon last week just stomping everyone at IBO. So shout out to them too. My God, what a shock! Jack and Sharon just smacking people around in IBO. Um, but Jack is one of the best wrist rocket shooters there is, and yeah. his whole technique and his follow through. And I mean, he gave me advice after I got into the wreck on what therapy exercises to do. And I'm like, this is what got recommended by the doctor. And this works better. Blah, 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 blah. I had a great conversation with him and everything. Um, you know, and it, it just, you have to use what works for you. 
the one thing I think yeah, right I mean, now, especially with the, the way wrist rockets are coming, I keep calling them. I almost feel disrespectful calling them fucking wrist <laughs> rockets now, you fucker. God. Uh, <laughs> um, with all the new features, I mean, you're getting a lot of the newer ones, and you know, like the knock on. What what is the knock on? I don't called? know, and I don't care. Okay, well, it's made by Carter. It's expensive as shit. <laughs> um, or even Stan is uh, now Stan making is the extinction. One, isn't it? What who? True, true ball have got one as well. Yeah, uh, true ball's got one now. I think ten, Stan is tension operated, isn't it? They yeah, they have one that's I think is switchable between index trigger and then reverse, like a safety, and then it goes tension release. But yeah. you know, the one from knock on is made by Carter. Uh I think the one from Stan is called like the Extinction or something. Horrible name if that's the actual name. <laughs> like, what's your product called? Extinction. For fucking real. You know, anyway, so, but those are, I mean, those are coming along the same way as your thumb button. You have travel distance before fire, tension before fire. So you could literally make one of these wrist rockets that are, you know, 150 bucks. Some of them are like two and change, whatever, but it's completely customizable to the archer. Like I know guys that shoot thumb buttons, you know, like I said, I shoot fat barrels. I shoot heavy tension. I've been a mechanic for so many damn years. Impact guns have wrecked the nerves in my hands. I can't feel the button unless it's heavy. I get them. Some of my other friends are like, you got to try this wrist button. It's or uh, th th this thumb button release. It's fantastic. I literally touch it and it goes off. And I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. No, no. Mm -mm. You better turn that Allen screw in like seven more times before <laughs> I ever touch that thing again. <laughs> well, the one thing I will say is that, you know, you got to have a good shop near you and cause I don't. they should have all the releases that you can try. Um, if you don't have a good shop then you're and you have a coach, then you probably, you should be heavily reliant on the coach to see if he has a release that fits you. Unfortunately, it's not something that you see all the time. Uh, and the reason why I think it's so important is because people, they wind up spending a lot of money because something looks cool or something like that. And then they get it and they're like, oh, this, this doesn't work for me. And they wind up selling it for a, a big loss on archery talk or something like that the next day. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I'll buy stuff on there as soon as it comes out, only because I know people are going to get it and like, this is not what I like and sell it brand new just to get rid of it. Yep. So if they spend $250 on a release, they'll get rid of it for $150 just so they can recoup some money on it. So you see a lot of that. But getting to your thumb barrel thing, um, a lot of people have that issue where they slip off the thumb barrels or they want to put these big ones on there. I, I like a meaty thumb barrel myself. The problem that some people have is they can't get with it or it doesn't feel right. So what I tell them is before you go ordering another thumb barrel or something like that, um, a friend of mine is a very, very popular magician from back in the day. And he's, I had told him like, what, what do you guys, cause he had shown me some card tricks and he's like, well, you see, I can get this card to, to hang out to my hand here and all of that. It's not cause they have gravity on their hands or anything like that. What, what it has to do is they have a spray you find in magic shops and in other places online, it's called roughing fluid or roughing spray. Mm -hmm. And that's what they use on cards to keep the cards stick together and to stick to their hands and stuff like that. But the thing about it is it's not tacky. Your, your hand will just go, your finger will just, if I spray the thumb barrel with it, your finger will just lay on the thumb barrel. It won't slip off, but it won't be hanging on there like it's like it's all tacky with glue or something like that. Um, I had somebody try spider tack on their on that thing and they couldn't get their thumb off the barrel. No. So when, when they try to let down the, the bow fired, it was, 
it was hysterical in some ways and sad in others. But roughing fluid is something that if you try that, it's a spray. You find that somewhere, and it works just the same. Um, I'm all about trying stuff that that is both more <laughs> economical and stop, stops you from spending unnecessary money, which really, well, I – People, I'll say this a million times. People say I'm the worst salesman in the world, and frankly, I don't give two shits. It's what's best for for my students and my my people who come to me to to need help for this. Um, and I don't care. Oh, I'm gonna drop an f bomb on this one. I don't give a fuck who puts their name on it. If it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Yeah. And there's too many times these guys go out there and they're like, "Hey, this is the greatest thing since cheese." Um, and to be honest, they had no input in the development, the testing. They don't even fucking use it. And it was like, no, it's just the best. It's the new line. It's got my name on it. Go ahead and use it. I think there's one or two people in the industry who are not like that, but the rest of them are pretty much like that. I don't like to generalize it so much, but unfortunately it's true, and it really pisses me off because the only ones who wind up paying for it are the people who can't afford it in the first place. So I try to find what and works for them. And I don't. always wins. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I, I don't, there's the shops that are one and done so where they'll try to sell you something. They don't care if anyone ever comes back. Um, these are people that I'm dealing with every single day. You know, my students, whatever. I don't want them to feel remorse from buying something because they, they're like, oh, this just doesn't work. Like we want to only spend their money on stuff that they're going to keep for a long time. The mm -hmm. average person with us is keeping their both for three or four years. Um, sometimes longer. So I don't want to, you know, get them some other release where they're, they're not release hopping. They're not buying a brand new le release when it comes out every year or something like that. And the people who, who you see like that, who do that sort of thing are either fanatics about it or they just got a lot of money to burn and don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, neither of which are the ones that I got over here. Um, so that's just what we do with them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, 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 Archery shops that don't help their customers don't really give a damn. No, I have too many of those around me. <laughs> oh, so. I've got a couple of winners out here. Believe me, a couple of winners. <laughs> uh, and I I see the disasters that walk in from there. And usually I get a call like 1030 at night. Like, can you help me with this? I'm like, um, you realize what time it is, right? Okay. Yeah. Just, you know, call me tomorrow. I'll set something up. Uh, you know, as long as they're not going on a plane trip somewhere, I don't care. But there's just the disasters I see. And, you know, that's just one of the things that happens. But, um, yeah, that's just a fact of life. Equipment has a lot to do with it. Um, and then you can let me know when you want me to get to your forum, Doug, because, oh, we've got some pleasant I'm, things to I, say about that. I'm, oh, <laughs> oh I like that. Wow, right to the roast from the get-go. We got plenty of things. Yes. All right. So, so when I say pleasant, I mean pleasant. The, oh, he said pleasant. I thought he said plenty. Oh, pleasant. I thought he said plenty. Yeah, that was in trouble. All right, so look, um, if anything, the only criticism I have, your hand position, um, your hand position when when you're firing and all that on the grip is perfect. It's the the textbook open grip. You're not influencing the riser at all, except for that wrist strap, which is a problem. It's tight on your hand that I see. Um, and then the only other thing that I see going on because when I looked at it from the rear shot, mm -hmm. your bow actually goes forward, which is all we want. The bow should travel forward out of your hand, even if it's for an inch or so when it fires, because it's keeping the plane of consistency as it go, as it goes through the shot cycle. Okay. The only thing that I see 
um, your well, there's two things. One, the front shoulder is a little bit unhinged. It's a little high, so it looks like a little bumpy. So if you look at your front shoulder from the from the shot where he's directly in front of, um, looking at you sideways, yeah. you see your shoulder kind of goes up and then slopes down and then to your hand. So that's a little bit unhinged. So that can get you some lefts and rights going, some some craziness there. But it's overall great. Uh, last thing I'll say about your form is you've got a tweak of a little bit of a lean backwards. So if you look at a couple of oh, shots, you know that you've got, a, you got a little bit of the real wild going on, not anywhere near as bad as he has it, but, but you've got a little real wild going on and you lose your center of gravity from that. So I would imagine looking at this, your shots are really great, but you're going to have that one shot that happens every now and then where you're aiming at, you know, say, just a, just at the ten ring, something like that, yeah. or a twelve, and it'll fly above it. Like, oh man, really. that five you got today! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> no, it's exactly what happened. Like, no, but that was also the one where I stuttered. Yeah, yeah, you stuttered. It's like and hell I just on said, that. Fucking send it. He, the the so, size of of rubber that he ripped off. What, what was it? Wolverine, wasn't it? Yes. Like, Tore a chunk out of it. Oh my god! Like he he would have spined this thing so bad it would have just looked back and like ah just fell over. I mean. I look back at that arrow, like, it's nice and like brown a on the bottom. one-inch piece of rubber got blown off the top of this by his, his VTAC 25s with those top hat points that he has. So, like, when I, when I looked at the shot execution, the shot execution is very clean, but with that little bit of a lean, there's, like, one or, one or two instances you can tell that when he fires, instead of his shoulder rolling around, it dips down, which kind of pulls him with it. When that happens, you're going to have that that oddball shot that goes high. Um, I would imagine that if you shoot uphill, you're going to have some high shots too. Mm -hmm. But overall, no no problems at all with, with the rest of the form. His stance looks clean. Um, no issues. I think if you cleaned up that, if you really, really loosened that that um, that sling up, It'll it'll be a lot easier to tell if you're actually torquing the bow or not. I know that you told me that you guys had changed the tape on the bow and stuff yeah. like that. So now that affects little, the way now the it's not was. like five layers right there at the at the top of the the thumb. Yeah, it was like um, holding it, my pillow up in the air that was ten pounds. <laughs> there was so much cushioning on his goddamn grip. As soon as he was like, "Oh, what do you think?" I'm like, "Because I have the Bomar tape on mine, and I have a single layer. That's it." Which I'm ordering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff is fantastic. I, I, and I'm the moron who put it on wrong the first time and didn't realize there was a second layer of film on it. And I'm like, "Wow, this stuff is sticky." And all of a sudden, something started peeling on my jackass. So I was like, "What's that?" And I peeled it off, and I'm like, "Wow, I thought it was sticky before. Holy Christ, this Wait stuff doesn't move." Wet. Wait until that shit gets I, wet. I, had, I, know, I know. I've been in the rain. Oh. I, I've had people come into me with bows where they put hockey stick tape on it. Um, that was so bad. I literally had to have my torch to get it off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I use tennis um, racket tape. So tennis, I, I'm all my bows. That's that's all I've got. I've only got uh, Wilson tennis racket tape on there. Uh, the very thin one. Not the heavy, thick, you know, puffy one. Yeah. But that's what I use on there, and it never comes off in the last few couple seasons. I just only use black. Um, I don't use the white one because it just looks like shit after a couple of a couple of months or something like that. It'll yeah. just get really dirty. But um, one one last criticism is that your front thumb, that front thumb, okay, depending on when you're shooting, you have what we call a pointer. So the pointer. <laughs> It's, 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 always look, 
it's it's always pointing at the fucking target, which is okay until that pointer becomes a goddamn lobster claw, which is now clawing your boat together. And, and when you're under high pressure, yeah. they'll go from pointer to lobster claw to fucking vice grip. When he knows it's a bad shot, he death grips the bow after it goes off. Future, I'm right ahead now. Does it sound like something familiar? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do see it. Um, yeah, I, and it happens with a lot of the kids that I work with. I haven't shoot that way so long, bump. I don't even notice it. Until someone yeah, goes, dude, that- you, your thumb. <laughs> what? So <Okay. laughs> uh, a, a lot of times the girls will be on the line, and I have them shooting five at a time when we're at the range or something like that. And I'll just be walking back and forth like the captain on a ship with my hands behind my back as I'm walking back, and they're, they're firing, whatever. And then I'll stop right by whoever's doing it and be like, pointer! And everyone will, will look at them and be like, you did it again! You know? <laughs> <laughs> because it's one of the hardest things to correct if you've been doing it, it for a while. Um, I'm surprised you didn't know it is what I do. That, that means you didn't look at my front hand. Your front hand? Ra- oh, no, no. I got... Oh, I, Did I you see the thumb go something. up? Yeah, I see that, but I also see... Th- I also see something else on your front hand since we're getting back to Anthony for a second. Well, that's fine. Um, you got to remember, I broke my left hand. That's the reason I do that. I got it. He's got an it. excuse for you're, everything. You're, you're what they call a shelf hugger. Yes, <laughs> so you, I am. You hug the shelf with your top finger, yep. um, which is cool if you want to do that for, for, for target shooting. That's fine. You know what I mean? It tends to induce a little bit of torque sometimes, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I say that's bad, if you're bow hunting with the same kind of deal like that, um, yeah, uh, I like my fingers. <laughs> uh, no, no, trust me. All my hunting arrows are actually in the, I, when I, I set them up, the broadhead is purposely in front of my index finger. So my actual, my actual hunting arrows are at like, I believe two inches longer than I would actually need them. Just to make sure yeah. that broadhead doesn't take my index finger off. Well, I had this one guy, Gene, who who uh, he's been bow hunting about twenty five years, and he came to me, and I was working on some of his setup on his setup, and I said, "Dude, you are hugging the shit out of the out of the, out of the riser on that top level." He goes, "Yeah, but I've seen everybody do it, and I get the bow more stable." I'm like, "You're not supposed to be stabilizing it with your front hand. Your hand is just sitting there as a lever you're pulling against." And he didn't believe me. Whatever. He goes in hunting. I see him at the range about three weeks later, and he's got his whole front hand wrapped up. And I'm like, what, this, what in the shit happened to you? He goes, oh, you remember you told me about hugging the riser? Like, yeah, I've got nine stitches in the top of, top of my index finger. Because oh. I pulled back the broadhead, and when he fired, the, the, the broadhead just caught him on the very top. Wow. So that's something where, and, and the thing is that some people tell me, well, I shoot my target bow one way, and I shoot my hunting bow another. No, you can't I do both. Sorry, that's bullshit. You mm-hmm. can't do that. So, you know, keep it one or the other. Nice. Glenn Fittich. Yes. <laughs> um, keep it one way or the other, but you can't do that. So oh, I'm like, that, that's what happened, dude. Um, needless to say, he now does not shoot with his finger up there anymore. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just tend to think that it, it promotes co- collapsing of the hand onto the boat. Right. So uh, that's one more there. question. One that's more question. another yeah. reason why I, I, if you look at the front of my hand, it looks like, it, yeah. like how you said my hand looks rounded. Yeah. I used to snatch the bow. I will, uh, I'll blatantly admit it. I used to fire and then snatch the bow all the time. 
And then what I learned to do is I put my fingers to the front of the riser, like right, uh, right on the front, and then I loosen my hand back up. Okay. So that's that's why my hand and it actually has stopped me from like completely like death gripping it after every shot. So so for for you, what I suggest is what I do for a lot of people. Um, if you want to get out of the habit of wrapping your your you know trying to grab the bow or wrapping your hands around the bow or something like that, because if you look at Doug's form, his hand is completely right open, which is good. Um, but so for kids, I have one way of fixing it. For adults, I have another. So for kids, I have them take a golf ball and I stick it in their left two fingers, mm -hmm. uh, the, the the last the pinky and the one next to it, and they got to hold that ball while they're while they're drawing their bow and firing yeah. the bow. What that it keeps the hand off the bow automatically. That's how I got my grip to where it is now. Yeah, because I listened to that podcast thing, and you were talking about that. I was like, okay, let me try that for yeah. a little while. I and then I get my, it. <laughs> that's how. Yeah, well, when I learned it, it was using mm -hmm. these these very, very, very spiky pine balls that fall that are like needles on the end of them. And I had to hold one of those. And trust me, when you grabbed it, it was going through your hand. Ooh. But um, in the case of you, Anthony, what I would do is I would just take a pen and hold it in your left three fingers. Okay. And if you have the pen there, you can do nothing but keep your hand open. Yeah, yeah. And then you relax and you fire. And eventually you'll find that the pen drops out of the hand. And you don't need it there anymore, and it stops you from doing that whole hooky thing. The the only way that it won't work is if you keep on hugging the riser on the top. That automatically pulls the rest of the hand in. But um, like I said, not much to, not much going bad with 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 Dougie's form, and definitely uh, yours is fine. Um, yours is especially good, I would say, with everything that I commented on. Yours is especially good considering what you've been through recently. Yeah, yeah. Especially because of that, because at this point most people would not be able to get back on the horse and do this at all because they're afraid of ripping something out again or something like that. Um, the two of you, the only thing I see is you are forearm pullers. You do pull a lot with your forearm. Um, that could wind up giving you some, some pain in your shoulders and tennis elbow every now and then. Um, it's hard to describe the way that I teach the girls. I did a podcast on it, that sort of thing. But if you pull in a straight line, then pulling in a straight line, you can do it completely with your with your arm relaxed and just let the shoulder do everything. You're you're nursing a bad shoulder, so yeah. you keep doing what you got to do to make it work for you. So you can look at it from the point of view of do you do everything right to get it to the point where you're at anchor, or do you get everything right after you're at anchor because you're compensating for something else? To me, it doesn't make a difference which way you decide to go. The only thing I would say is, and here's the, the one caveat to all of this, when you're gripping the bow, you're putting your hand into the bow, if for any reason that hand is tight or tense in any way, you're going to wind up with a little bit of um, skin, skin elasticity going on, and it's going to snap on the shot. It may not snap a lot. Snap a little bit, but it will influence the follow through of the shot, whether it goes one way or the other. Because if your hand is tight when you grab the bow and you get to full draw and then you loosen it up, well, that skin tension inside that palm of your hand is still there. When you fire, it lets go. Right. It, like I said, the body wants to return to its normal position after whatever explosion or trauma is happening. So even if you try to loosen up your grip afterwards, that skin is still trapped under the right between the riser and your thumb. And then when it lets go, it's going to let go and do whatever. Uh, aside from that, you know, if you were expecting all the worst criticism in the world, you trust me, 
I see a lot worse stuff every day. I see stuff that I'm like, um, excuse me, but uh, how many years have you been shooting? Because and then they'll tell you, oh, I've been shooting for 20 years. I'm like, for the love of God, how is that possible? Because these and people you still have don't... all your digits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've seen all, all manner of stuff. And this goes from people shooting compounds to people shooting recurves. I teach both. I've seen all kinds of craziness. Um, the trend for the last five, six years is I saw so-and-so do it on YouTube or I saw so-and-so do it in a competition or you'll see the guy who walks around where and, you know, you guys have your your, your binoculars on because you want to see everything and all that. That's all cool. Um, for a while, there was a trend of everyone's, you know, hanging the, the, the strap, the single strap of the binoculars off their hip. Like you see, you know, everybody else shoots pro division doing. On, man. Um, I got Stephanie for my wife. I have every possible paracord <laughs> thing made, man. Um I got, you know, the, I got the funky one that she doesn't even sell the public called the chameleon that it changes from black to fluorescent green as it goes around my shoulder. Trust me. I'm when it comes to paracord, um, this house is bawling out of control. So so you guys are wearing your binoculars, you're doing your thing, you're not interfering with it. But I, I've seen people where they wore the bino harness and it's so bulky in front that this string is actually getting caught on the bino harness on the way to full draw. And that's why I worry about his bino harness that he's got in front of him. <laughs> Like, how do you shoot that high up. thing? Yeah, that's yeah, high up. Oh, no, it's a lot yeah, lower than it used to be. Always worried me about really? bino harnesses. Am I going to catch a string on it and derail the boat? Yeah, see, yeah. like, all right, yeah. When it comes to my, the one I personally have right now, that was one of those ones I want to try this company out because I'd never heard of them. And it's called like the Big Stone or something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend this damn thing to anybody. It's okay. square. It's got a flip back thing magnets. and it is it's bulky like I only have 10 by 42 like some cheap Tazcos in it and that yeah. thing is bulky as can be and I mean thankfully I mean I have a 29 and a half inch draw so the bow the bow is way out in front of me the string yeah. never touches it but trust me 30 pounds ago when I was pushing 225 that thing was up much higher I can't tighten yeah. it to go any higher anymore it's actually like mm -hmm. Sub nipple now is a good way to describe it where the top of that lid is, you know, but I, and it's actually not where I like it. And to me, it, it's actually too low. I don't, you know, to me, it's always got to sit like mid chest where it's yeah. like dead center of your pecs right in front of your sternum. And it's way lower. Like the bottom of it is probably like the, the top abdominal muscle and stuff. It's yeah. that low on me right now. And it wow. drives me crazy that it's that low. I have about three or four of them, and of the three or four, I think all but one came with the binoculars. They're all Vortex. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I will almost never use them at all. Um, I usually have just a one sling if I'm shooting 3D or something like that that goes down my hip. The reason I don't use that is because if I'm going to use that when I'm in a tree stand hunting or something like that, I have literally been hung up on a set of steps when that thing gets caught somewhere. Right. And then had to cut it off, you know? Oh, wow. Um, that that's that's the kind of problems I have with them. So, but if I'm out west hunting, oh, you damn skippy, I'm gonna have that thing on because I'm not carrying a heavy set of binos everywhere I'm going. But mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be in a tree stand either. Right. So yeah. that they have their uses for what it is. But unfortunately, you see a lot of people buying stuff because they see the pros using it or something like that. And it, 
what I tell them is if you see the pros wearing pink pantyhose outside their clothes, they're paid are you to do the same thing. <laughs> you know, that's just me going out for a Friday night. That is. Oh, uh, wow. Are, are you going to do the same thing just because they're doing that? I mean, really? You know how many guys I see walking around with real wild style looking things that uh, looking rigs that are way too heavy for them? I mean, that's crazy. I, I'm, dude, I, Rio's got some crazy looking stuff, but I swear if I start seeing the common thing, but the, the, uh, the double 30s, <laughs> you know, with 18 inch twin back bars and with you know <laughs> your rear link is like 35 inches wide you're smacking both people in the lanes next to you like gillingham and everything if i start seeing I that i'm just gonna that. be like i'm over oh, i'm done i mean when i saw that there's only gillingham could get away with that isn't there yeah but he you know he does it just to see what people will say yeah 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 oh god yeah, yeah. Well, he you know he's a He's going to turn it into like the UFC did with uh, was the one fighter. They had to specifically make rules because he was so T, uh, Tito. They uh, literally made rules because Tito was so good at knocking people out that they joked and called it like the Tito rules. They're going to do that to Hammer soon. It's going to happen well, to him. What I tell people is the pros do what they do because it works for them. Don't imagine that anything that they do is going to work for you. It might. It might not. You have to find out what works for you mm -hmm. on your own. Um, but the one thing I tell people is you can go and talk to Tim, Tim Gillingham all you want. Okay. You have nice time. guy in the world. Like you better have time. Like, yeah. You better bring him. If you have the time, that's number one, but do not try to ever replicate what he is doing because the man can shoot broomsticks off his, off his boa stabilizers and get away with it. The average human being cannot. Mm -hmm. Then again, the average human being is not as tall as a tree either. So, yeah, so that is you true. Some of the shit that he does, and he's got like the a average 30 human inch being has two thumbs, not one and a half. Yeah, I'm a, I'm yeah, a 31, yeah. and I'm like, ooh. Dude, I mean, watching, when I'm watching Anthony pull back my bow yesterday, oh, that to was see hysterical. If he could, so he could feel the Bomar stops. I was like, you got to see how well he stopped compared to the lucky stops you got. He's like, uh, 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 oh yeah, uh, I was like mid ear. Behind my ear. <laughs> I was like mid-ear because I'm a 29 and a half and he's a 31 and a half. He's like, you got to feel the difference, man. You got lucky stops. I mean, we shoot the same exact boat. They're both Perform X 40s, yeah. you know, 60 pounds, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you got to feel the difference on the lucky stops. And I'm like, drawing, drawing. Oh, my God. Where the fuck is it going to end? And finally, I got to like <laughs> mid-ear and it finally dumped. And I'm trying to, I'm so far overextended. I, I'm trying to pull against the stops. And I'm a strong dude. And I'm like, I couldn't even move his strings. I was like, wow. And then I yeah. thought about it. Oh, shit, I have to let this damn thing down. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. I couldn't see through his peep sight because I'd have to, like, try and put my head on my back shoulder to try and yeah. see it. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, we're just going to have to try and just let it down because if I shoot it, I'm going to shoot my fence again. So um, the, the one thing I because before my cat knocked my computer into power off mode i had all the notes for you guys written down in a nice little notepad and all that um me and i'm in tech forgot to save it not thinking oh no happened. <laughs> oh, oh yes no. that's my homework but but the one thing i it just hit me now um and now that i'm looking at the picture of doug the one thing you should probably do is check your top cam for the timing i think it's a little bit behind okay let's see that's easy because I'm looking at it right now at full draw, and the top just looks a 
goes right behind the other one. So, um, yeah, that can wind up getting you some weird-ass looking knock travel. Well, but uh, we, we were talking about it earlier when he, when he was looking at my bow. He's like, someone fucked with the LAS system. I didn't touch yeah. shit on the bow. Yeah, yeah. I, I just set it up from where it was. I don't touch the LAS for shit. It just happened when I got I the bow. I got the bow you, so, you know. I, I, I used to take the bows apart just to reset it and recenter everything because it was just, it was a system that the intentions were correct for it, but it later evolved into something that PSE didn't even make. And Elite came up with the idea of how to do it to move it back and forth. Mm-hmm. So they did it on the top with the actual cams where PSC was trying to do it with pivoting the limbs from the bottom. Right. So that was a good idea, but there was no way to actually see where your zero was. It was impossible. Yeah, so, I think that's definitely the one thing that they messed up. They didn't put nothing on the limb pockets and nothing on the riser to give you your zero mark back. Yeah, you can't tell what your zero is on it. So and I only knew a few people who actually used it. And sometimes it worked for extremes, but for the most part, everyone's just reshimming the cams and all that now. His is um, layout. But, like if you look at his limbs, his limbs are both tipped to the right, and his yeah. arrow rest is probably almost an eighth of an inch to the right on the grip really so everything is shifted right and my bow as soon as i got it you know was like nope nope these are getting all re-centered and everything was taken from me it was like okay we're gonna center all this stuff and it was the first time i seen someone take a micrometer to like a bolt to make sure it was in the middle again yeah and i was like Mm -hmm. okay whatever everything got centered they redid it and you know, and I know since, like I said, I broke my left hand before, so I know I have to go no matter what, about a thirty second to a sixteenth of an inch to the right, just because of the way my thumb is. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna so. do all that once when I get new strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, either way, I got to recite in the bow at that point anyway. So I might as well just everything's shooting fine right now. Don't fuck with it. Mm-hmm. It broke. But once when I put new strings on it, I'll probably center everything out and redo the whole thing again. Um. Question for both of you guys. Do you, do you see a lot of shake in your scopes or not? Like, do you see a lot of up and down shake or the 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 the, the pointer moving all over the place? Or is it pretty much steady for you? Because I'm steady, you, but mine so has shooting. a tendency to go up and down. That's all I get. Yeah. I, I, saw I don't get Anthony's side to side. It's most up and down. Up and down. Yeah, I, I saw his going up and down a lot. Does that happen to you a lot, Anthony, or no? Mine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um only suggestion i got and i don't know why some people do it but a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons is pull your scope in a little bit it'll give you two things one it'll give you more more range on your sight tape Mm -hmm. though you'll have to redo it um but the other thing it does is steadies up the scope jumping around and bouncing um a lot of times people try to torque to his isn't yeah (laughs) i I see yours you you like maximum lengths don't you doug (laughs) that's what she said that's what she said Don is in the background going, yeah, bitch, yeah. (laughs) Because I've seen people with, you know, with nine-inch bars sticking them all the way out at the end. I'm like, why? Um, That I thought was retarded. This was why, and I think I went with a six-inch bar because I knew I wasn't going to go the full nine. There's no way. That's that's more, no. Um, But, you know, that that becomes a problem. I've seen people shooting nine-inch bars all the way out like yours, but on nine-inch indoors. I'm like. What is wrong with you? Um, and they're wondering why their their scope is jumping all over the place. Um, what power are you guys using for outdoors? I'm a four and he's a six. Six, four, that's fine. Um, people start floating up into the eight powers. Uh-uh. You got some 
issues with it. Uh, as, as long as you're using a color of the dot, that's not going to wash out against certain targets. Uh, I, I've had guys go to tears because they had black dots on their scopes all the time. And the minute they see that first bear, they're like, oh, shit. I'm like, what? I lost my dot. Like, what do you mean you lost the dot? The dot's black. I'm like, why are you shooting a black dot on bears? Freaking idiot. Work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> are you, uh, it depends. You know, it depends on where I'm at. If it's a real shady area, I'll run a, uh, I'll run a red. And yeah, like today I was running green. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because we yeah. had a lot, a lot more light. Yeah. Today was bright. Today was really, we were in the woods and it was super bright today. <laughs> So I, I never awesome. have to break out umbrella an umbrella time, in bitch. South Carolina. And we had to break out an umbrella today. So I got one of those ultra view scopes, the new, the new second, I had the first gen and I got the second gen. And the only thing I'll say about them is, um, yeah, when you have something in there and you turn on the lights, it lights up whatever color you've got for the, for the, what's called for the target dot. Yeah. Like it lights it up really nicely. And if you're using a, a drilled, uh, with a fiber, Mm -hmm. It makes it look even even better. Uh, the only thing I caution people is you better make damn sure that that scope is square to you because if it's not, I've seen those things when they light up. And this goes for any scope uh, that you put this on with a drill lens if the fiber is too long. Because some people chop their fiber down pretty small. And there's other people who flare them up at both ends and make them long. But if it's over, say, a quarter inch on either side, if that scope's not not square to you, uh, it'll actually look like there's a line in the middle of your lens and you can't tell where the top is or where the bottom is or what the deal is with it. And people who shoot longer distances start to see that like at the 40 yards, 45 yards. Hmm. They're like, holy shit, instead of seeing a dot, I'm seeing a line. I'm like, cause your scope's not square, yo, yo. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when they go and they square it up, the, everything's completely off. So that, that's the whole thing about that. 3d is a game where your setup is more critical than anything else. Yeah. That's all um, I shoot mainly. You know, the, going back to form, the one thing is you you guys do have is repeatability. You do repeat your shots very well, so there's there's nothing wrong with it. And people always stress form, 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 this and that, this and that. I'm like, yeah, but if you can't do something where the person's comfortable with doing it, that's remember I keep saying you got to tailor it. Mm -hmm. If you can't do something that the people are comfortable doing every single time, and you're trying to force them to do something that is not natural to them, where they can't get with it, I don't care how repeatable they can try to make it they're eventually going to suck because it's going to break down somewhere where they they let up a little bit on this or a little bit on that and then it the repeatability just goes away so it seems like your your forms right now are very relaxed and natural and that's all that counts i i tell people the best way to find out if your form's a little funky or something like that start shooting a bunch of uphill courses and see how it goes for you <laughs> if you've got issues like your draw length is too long, you're going to find out right the fuck away if your draw length is too long trying to shoot uphill on a 40-degree angle. Mm -hmm. Because if you do that uh, and you're shooting a back tension, it will never go off. You can try as much as you want. It's not going to work. Try a downhill one, and most people will usually find their, their back tension wind up somewhere around their ear. I mean, it, it, they start shortening their draw. They start doing all kinds of craziness. So... That, that's the best way for you to find out if your form is solid. If you can shoot the same way and get the same scores on uphill shots as you do on downhill shots, then you're okay. It's not a matter of learning the cuts or anything like that because if you're just repeating the same thing, no matter what, you're repeating your position. And there's ways that I teach people to shoot indoor targets and shit like that that I can get into another time. But And George Riles is like the only other person I know who teaches the way, the same way I, I was taught to teach it. But 
I see people who are like bending at the waist and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Um, that don't work in a lot of cases and your form will pay for it. So you have to have something that is the least interruptive to your form. So if you're shooting on flat ground and you're fine, but you have to radically alter it to shoot uphill or downhill, it's going to suck. And you can't get the two of them to go, go together. So you have to find something that's a good go between that works with it. And the only person, the only person I know to this day who it doesn't make a difference if the target is level, 80 degrees downhill, or on top of a fucking skyscraper is Dave Cousins. That guy will will make the shot work no matter what. He knows ways to contort his body so that his upper body, the position is exactly the same. <laughs> but, but rest of him, it's like someone took him and twisted him up like a little rag doll, and he, he makes it work. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make a difference, but that's what people got to find what works for you in all situations. Once you do that, then you're cool. So like you said, today was all flat ground and all that. So that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you go to downhills or uphills, if you start to see a big differential, then maybe you have to adjust something so that you make them all work the same. Because if you have to compensate big time for something, it usually throws you off. Yeah. And that's the difference between guys who shoot 18 and 20 up or 30 up. You know, if they have, you know, over a day or two, and someone who's going to keep there where, yeah, you're keeping the status quo, shooting tens and all that, but you're not able to go more than five or six up, 10 up because you're just making it, you know, on some shots. Whereas if you're able to have the same precision on all shots you got, you know, like when you're shooting on flat ground, you'll say you're, you're plus or minus one. If you're going to make this, this shot happen, you got like an 80 to 85% chance. But if that changes to when you're making a downhill shot to like 35% chance of making it in a 10 ring or something like that, or a 12 ring, then that's a problem. So you have to find the go between that, that works for you. And the only way to do that is to try on different ranges is why I always tell people, if you're a 3d shooter and your club has a static range, that's great. That means you've become proficient at learning the static range, but you go to another range, you're going to find out the harsh reality of what it is to shoot other angles that you're not used to. That was Doug. What? That was you. <laughs> you used to use, you used to your range and then you yeah. come up here and you know, just a little bit. It wasn't a house event. It was a Western Carolina event, <laughs> which means everything is 15 plus. Yeah, but I got in every my, direction. Well, you got to give my range credit because, you know, even though the, some of the targets are in the same spot, the lighting in my, on my range that's where, changes yeah. something fierce. His range, I don't well, know what it is. Three about hours it. difference, a target could be completely black at one point. Come back to it, it's completely lit up like it's mm-hmm. been on Broadway. His is the lighting. It's all lighting where his is. It completely. Well, everything's okay. flat so shots. We've, we've got a shot like that of Paget. The the standing bear. We've got it out about forty five yards. And when you shoot it in the morning, the sun is direct in your face, and your pin blows up so much through mm. your pin. Afternoon, it's really nice to shoot because the sun's off to the side. Like I say, shoot it in the morning, and you're blinded looking through your peep at this bear target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. For you know, in Doug's case, because you're in Florida, right? Yeah. Um, you got all pretty much flat ground. Do you have any um any accessibility to hunting alligators over there? Uh, real Trust alligators me, they're, they're, they're or um my little my little ASA alligator that I have. No, I'm talking about real fucking alligators. I could. I I know a couple of hunters that come to my club on a regular basis and go hunt alligators. 
Okay, okay. So if you would like to practice angles and all that, and this is no bullshit because it happened to me, um, go on a gator hunt, okay, with the bow. I'm not kidding. They do it from the ground most of the time. They're not doing it from a boat or something like that. Um, the minute that you're aiming at a gator and you realize that there's another one in the water maybe eight feet away from you who just fucking popped up and is now <laughs> approaching you slowly, <laughs> let me tell oh, you my, something. My ass will be twitching like a rabbit's nose. <laughs> you will learn not only to fucking climb the nearest tree if you can find one, but also to jump on whatever rock, up creep, anything that's there, and shoot the fuck down and not miss, okay? <laughs> this happened to me already twice. 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 To me. What the hell are you doing there? Angel's got repeatability. <laughs> yeah, no shit. The color like, of adrenaline is brown. More like the, the, the guide in the outfit that I went with who I went back the second year because he said, no, that was just a freak of nature happening to you. <laughs> I said, all right, fine. All right, fine, I'll do it again. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, 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 he's like, I got, we were on a turkey hunt. He's like, I got gator tags just in case because we have nuisance tags over here. I'm like, fine. And when you're turning turkeys, you're sitting on the fucking floor with the bow. <laughs> and the turkey's coming in and I hear something off to my left the second year it's a fucking gator. <laughs> now, I am not the most felt person in the world, but let me tell you something. I climbed that tree like fucking Tarzan. Okay? <laughs> and, you know, people are like, oh, that's just a nine-foot alligator. I'm like, it's a nine-fucking-foot alligator. And I put it right between the back of his head, and I killed his ass. It was more me or him, and it was definitely not going to be me. That oh, come day. on. But I'm just saying that if you learn how to gator hunt like that, where your angle could be changing fucking constantly and your life depend depended on it, it will make you a better shooter at angles. So being in Florida, there's no excuse not to learn your angles because you've got gators and they're willing to help you. And they're willing to <laughs> help you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I, like I said, I hope Donnie's listening to this shit. Oh my god! I'll tell you right now, Angel. I could almost bet you money your last episode that you did about form and the bag of onions. The bag of onions. Uh, I, I can bet you money you touched Donnie's soul. <laughs> I could bet you. I he love Donnie. Sends a text message. I got a bag of I got, onions. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he said, we get the text message in our group chat between me, him, and Doug, and it's it's like nothing but archery stuff. We we'll go figure there. But uh, and he's like, I got to go get a bag of onions because of Angel's podcast. And me and Doug are like, we didn't what even listen fuck? to the we episode. Yet. To what the, the episode hell yet. is he talking about? <laughs> I listened to two Friday on the way up here. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, the way Angel took the disclaimer and afterwards about the yeah. onions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responsible if you well, cut your finger. Well, the thing it's is, like, the last two podcasts yeah. you did touched Donnie's soul in a lot of ways. Because the last one before that was the TP episode. Yes, and uh -huh. he's been suffering bad, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Our, our and I, I love the guy shit. to death. We, I, I, please, you cannot stop talking about it enough to help him find a way to get over this. Techniques don't care. You know, <laughs> he does. No, it's no, true. Because usually a, he can go out to the when range he's and on it. When he's on it, he's on it. He will hammer everyone he's shooting against. And then yeah. the smallest trigger, and it's it's 
it's horrible to watch the dude you know who can shoot his ass off. Can now shoot me any day of the week. And yeah, I mean, he could run me and this dude like it's nothing all day long. And just one yeah. slight thing. Will, it, it, um, it's horrible to say, but we just watched the movie, The, the Replacements with Keanu Reeves and all yeah. of them. Donnie has that definition of quicksand. It's the one thing that starts to compound and compound and compound on you. And it's like, bro, you need to snap out of it. You can wreck everyone here. Fuck that last arrow and just run this board and kick everyone's ass. You know, and that's why every time you mention some sort of technique for target panic and this and that and what we'll call it TP, um, you know, but you do you you help. I mean, we know we actually probably know a hell of a lot more people than just Donnie. It's just that Donnie happens to be our friend and we, we don't like watching our buddy go through this type of shit when we know when it's a general like not competition when it's just the three of us and I visit Florida and we start doing stupid shit. It's like we go from practicing. All right. Six hours at 20 and we're like, fuck it. Let's go to 80. There's an orange dot. Let's shoot the orange dot at 80. You know, and we start doing stupid stuff and he will stay. And, and that was the best when you, it's yeah. when you guys first switched to the victory 25s. Yeah. And it was the, I don't know if they could fly to 80 that far. Well, actually we don't have an 80. Yeah. It goes to the hundred. No, we were on the field course. The field. Oh, no, no, no. It goes 70 and then hundred. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Then it must've, it might've been 70, but he's like, I don't know if they're going to make it that far, you know? Like, all right, it. cool. Barely. Whatever. First arrow, boop, dead center of the orange dot. And we're like, you really don't think they don't fly that far? He's like, let's go. And we just, and I, you know, I'm being stupid. I'm shooting the, the inertia that far. I know damn well it ain't going to group that tight as, you know, his, yeah. he was a TRX 38 or something he was shooting at the time. Just absolutely dominating the shit out of anything me and Doug are doing. Yeah. You know, but when it comes to like certain like tension, like, I mean, you know, 3D events or something like that, and the pressure starts getting to him, and he could it's just been, be running the whole board, and all of a sudden, the minor thing. And it won't even be like a horrible shot. It could be like, I missed the 12 by half an inch. <laughs> that sets him off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely counseling worthy. <laughs> you know, that, that's sure. the, like even me and him today, I'm not, when it comes to shooting 3D, I'm not an upper 12 guy. At oh, all. fuck that. Yeah. I'll hit that I, 12 all day. I say, okay, we ranged it, you know, 37. I'll put my side on 37. I know where the 12, the lower 12 is on us exactly. I'm going to minus two clicks and go for it. Or minus a click on my vertex or what, whichever, depending on the angle, it's one or two clicks. And I'll go for the 12. And Doug starts calling uppers like, I don't understand why you're not calling uppers. I, I just don't. I, I don't know what it is. So today, me and him just start all right, upper. Let's start calling upper. As soon as I get my sight fixed. Yeah, as soon, this is right after he got his windage and everything fixed. So we start just going after uppers, and we start getting them, and he's starting to come back, and you know, I'm figuring out what yard. All right, stop, stop being stupid. Stop minusing the two clicks. Now add one instead, so you stay in the high portion of the circle. And it, it became interesting because he started to get the idea of what his cuts had to be high and low, what to add, what to minus, depending on the angle, even though... I think today's the the worst angle was like seven degrees. It wasn't yeah. bad. It was it was it was easy. Um, so he was getting his placement of saying, "Okay, I know at seven down, I have to you know minus a yard, a yard or something like that." And he'd be yeah. right on the money and kill it. And then we started going uphill, and then both of us, like 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 I said, I've never been an upper dude, so I'm like, "Shit, I have to think backwards." 
I'm so used to minusing a click or two on the targets. I know I can drill the 12 on. Yeah. And now it's like, fuck, I have to add? Well, lighting on a lot of those uppers were just perfect to where I could see them plain as day uh, through my scope. Also, the, the, the place we went to today, it was probably some of the most pristine cores on any of these targets. They were like, <laughs> oh, I could see the 12 at 46 without my binoculars. It's like, holy shit. You know, yeah, I, I have those little cheater cards I walk around with. You're allowed to have them, but I can look at the brand, the target, and it'll tell me exactly where the 12 is supposed to be. Do you know, I always like, wanted to get oh. those cards, but I never got them because I'm like, eh, they're hard to I've find. Seen them. Oh, Salute has got a stack of them. I keep forgetting to buy it, and I'm such a stupid ass because every time I was going to a tournament or something with Arthur, he'd have yeah. it on him, and I'd look down and go, damn it, I knew I forgot to buy something again. <laughs> So they, the older ones are the bigger ones that are almost the size of the clipboard, and then they have these little pocket keychain size ones. Oh. But if you have those and you clip and you flip through them, you're like, oh, look at that. That's where it is. That's where I aim because, honestly, I can't see shit when it gets past 40 or 45. I don't see the cutouts of the rings or the targets to beat up or something like that. So I'm like, okay, well, according to this, it's supposed to be there. So if I measure out this, that's where it's supposed to be. I'll get within range of it, but I'm not an upper 12 person myself either. Um, I think if it's close, 30 or under, no problem. Mm-hmm. If it's 40 and out, don't bother. Um, I won't. I would <laughs> rather shoot a solid 10 than shoot a fucking five or miss the target entirely. Yeah, right. And it only takes one little giggle at 50, 50 yards to go right over the top of the animal and lose it completely. Um and I'm one of these people who doesn't like losing his arrows. It actually, like at my range, if you lose something over an animal, it's like the fucking Bermuda Triangle. That arrow is gone. You'll never find it again. Yeah, it could have landed. <laughs> you'll see You'll see it hit maybe 10 yards behind it. You'll see the puff and all of the leaves going up. You go back there, you'll never find it again. And for years, they're not finding them. So I'm like, you know, I just don't like taking chances like that. I'll just take the shot that I know I can make. You know, I, I don't. I don't mess around with it too much. I try to make, I try to do what's doable and stay within that realm. 3D is a game of strategy, whether anyone wants to admit that or not. Oh yeah. It's straight up strategy. And that's, you know, in a lot of cases, that's where I started playing an upper game because everyone would clog that bottom 12 and no one was shooting uppers. Yeah. So I just got like, okay, I'm just getting used to shooting these uppers. And this way I get, I normally drop on the arrow shot. So I'm always in a 10. Yeah, there was there was a guy that when we were at, they have these local championships over here in New Jersey, and the guy would win in his amateur division every year, but he could never progress past that one. He would only win at his club because he knew the targets over there. Yeah. And I looked at him like, you know, because he's like, I don't get it. He, he actually came up to me. Someone directed him to me to ask him, you know, like, what do I see about his form and all that? And I looked at him and I said, how many times a week do you shoot here? He goes about five, six times. Like, okay. So you've learned everything perfectly about this range. You would be a way better shooter if you got your shit together and learned your form, because basically he was adjusting his form differently for every target he shot. So if he shot a low target, he was doing one thing, but he had been doing it. I said, how long have you been shooting at this range? He goes, Oh, about 14 years. Fuck him right there. Have the targets changed much in 14 years? Like, no, not a fucking bit. <laughs> like, well, wow. there you go. So he knows to put it at the top of his cheek for target six, to put it at the bottom of his cheek for target nine. He knew all that, and he couldn't figure out why when he went somewhere else it didn't work. I'm like, 
because you don't know how to do it for every one of those. You've learned this. You made it just a part of who you are to do it on these, but your form has to be applied to do something constantly so that you know what you're doing and you can adjust for any kind of angle. Here, you're just memorizing stuff. It's like someone who who's playing music but memorizes the music and doesn't know how to read the sheets. It's the same deal. So if you learn how to apply the principle of shooting to all the different situations, you're better off than if you just learn how to shoot in one particular situation and all that. I see the same thing with bow hunters. They're like, well, if the deer's not at 20 yards, I'm not going to shoot him. I'm like, okay, that's going to be a really boring fucking time in the woods because are you going to tell the deer, excuse me, sir, can you move in another two and a half yards because you're at 22 and a half instead of 20? And I swear one of these days, the deer's going to turn around and say, hey, what the fuck? Why aren't you shooting me? <laughs> because I'm standing over here. I, I, I've had deer standing right in front of people at 11 yards, and they tell me I can't because I take people out. And they're saying, I can't shoot it. I'm like, why? Too close. It's too close. I'm like, are you shitting me? I can beat him with a club <laughs> from this distance. But you can't hit it? He goes, no, it's got to be a 20. You've got to seriously be, I, like and, I mentioned And that here's the funny part. Most bows, the 10 to 20 mark on a pen is not that much of a difference. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And then it's not at all. And then the, the funny one is when I get something where the deer is literally in front of the blind at two and a half yards. Oh, my and God. Like, Jesus Christ. Look, Reach out and stab it. You've got two ways to do this. Take the whole fucking rack of pins and put it on the middle of his body and fire. But I got a single pin. I'm like, so take the. F so I said, listen, put your bow on 50. And I saw this one deer coming at us. It was a doe. I'm like, she's going to come right in front of the blind. No, she's not. No, she's not. I said, she's going to walk in front of the blind and block out the sun when she comes by. No, it can't be. Fine. When he's I've only not done looking, this for so I said, long. <laughs> I said, give me your bow. And he had a single pin, and I set it to 50 yards. I said, here, take that. He goes, why the fuck did you set it for 50 yards? I'm like, she's going to walk a foot and a half away from the, from, the, from the blind. Just take the pin and put it on her vital and shoot. Boom. <laughs> he goes, how the hell did you know that? I'm like, well, one, I've been doing this for longer than you've been alive. That's <laughs> one. I'm older than dirt. So that's number one. Two, if you've ever shot a nice little place in California called fucking Redding, we have little bunnies that they put at a foot and a half away from us. Mm -hmm. And you have to shoot it with a 50-yard pin. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, Because that's what it is. It's called an arc of the arrow as it goes through. They don't get it, so we, we set it up, whatever. But some people, if you take them out of their normal circumstances, they can't do it. So the idea behind archery is to be high, become flexible, to be able to do this so that no matter what what application there is, you can make it happen. If you're not flexible, it doesn't work. And it's a simple principle to everything that I teach with it. Like, just do it so you can repeat it every single time, but that you can do it in all different situations and you know how to modify it. Once you do it, you're okay. Mm -hmm. well, in the UK, the number of compounders that don't know how to shoot short shots. I mean, we've got two at Paget. We've got a J uh, three yards. I have to shoot it for 47. And I sent that email to you earlier, Anthony. We've got a four and a half yard stout down in a ditch. 
but you shoot it off a platform, say about a 30, 35 degree downward angle. Oh, and again, for 46 yards, I'd have to shoot that one for. Mm. And I can, I can pinwheel that stout every time. Well, that's what I mean. When I went to um, the Total Archery Challenge, um, apparently now, from what I understand, the the one shot that they were having people do at the Tennessee Tack, they made them remove it because apparently people were saying it was too dangerous. Okay. Apparently, my schmuck self doesn't think it's that dangerous. And which shot is that? It was, I believe, it was on the Sitka course when I was there, and you were oh, literally yes. on the top of that one rock wall before you follow the path to go down all those big, huge fallen rocks. Mm -hmm. And you're at the top, and you're looking down, and you're like, "Wow, this is steep." Okay, cool, whatever. This is going to be a cool shot, you know. I know how to aim downhill. I know how to do the whole wide stance thing and to keep my balance and whatnot. And when I did the angle correction on my rangefinder and looked down, I'm like, this can't be right. And Steph was with me. She was like, what, what, what can't be right? It shows 19 yards. <laughs> and she's like, no, it shows 19. I'm like, it shows 19 yards. Hold on. Let me turn my <laughs> angle correction off. Okay. I shut the angle correction off and it shows up 76. <laughs> That's how steep I was aiming down. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm thinking yeah, about you, it. You shoot the horizontal distance, if not the actual distance when you shoot angles. When you, well, no. When he, you shoot angles, the arrow is still trying to rise on its way down. So you actually have to cut yeah. because the arrow is still going up as it's falling towards the ground. So even though I was aiming for 19, the fact that it was going down 76, it was still rising on the way down. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, okay, screw it. Let me try. I pull back the bow the first time and I realize. I fucked this shot up. I'm blowing my pinky toe off. <laughs> you know, I'm shooting the inertia here my with my you carnivores my doing 312. Cause you know, every time I go to tack, I just make some absurd light arrow that if I break it and blow it up, I don't care, you know? And I just make sure it's straight, make sure it tunes decently. It doesn't have to be perfect. Cause like I said, it's going to tack. It's going to be a fun thing. It's nothing serious. If I lose a dozen arrows, I don't give a shit over the four courses, whatever. And I let this arrow rip, and I probably, if I, thankfully I was wearing pants and boots and everything, I probably would have been able to feel the breeze as it went by my foot. <laughs> and oh, it whacked this deer target right in its spine, and I'm going, well, that would have killed it. That would have, damn. Oh, shit. That was sketchy as hell. <laughs> you know? And Steph's like, I don't want to. Because <laughs> Steph, isn't, Steph is not good at heights. Tack ta ta is on my bucket list of things to do, Tack. It just looks like such an incredible thing to shoot. Isn't there, I believe there's a TAC European division now. Oh, I haven't really? seen anything about that. The one yeah, there, there's actually, a, the I believe there's a, 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 what? Probably can't get the Reinhardt over there, though. Well, the Reinhardt right now is just, like, the South is loving that. But I believe oh, there, yeah, if you are. go on Facebook, there is a TAC Europe that started up. I mean, you, you go over to Austria and up in the Alps, there, one, one of the guys I shoot with, he's been looking and in the space of about a 20 mile diameter there's like a dozen or more 3d clubs and they're all from i've seen videos of some of these on youtube and they're all like bloody tack courses but they're there permanently wow <laughs> just take a trip out there you, your tack experience without the tack <laughs> you know you don't have to deal I'm with the, dudley look, and... I'm, I'm, I'm the world's biggest americana file i am there's just something i have to get my ass to the states oh yeah 
Come on over. You got to def- you definitely have places to stay between me, us, I got Angel, a big German, South Carolina, Florida. I got a big German Let's guy go. named Carl that comes to um, my club through for about almost three to six months of the year, and he goes back home. Jesus. Yeah, well, I mean, he's t- a tall t- bitch. T- t- last year because I should have done my first bow hunt down in Texas last year with Lance mm-hmm. and COVID and Creepy Joe buggered that up. Well, yeah. He, he's doing a good job of doing that to the rest of the entire country at the moment. So, Oh, he, well, he's spectacular, Creepy Joe is. <laughs> when, you get, when you get to the States, Richard, the only thing I'll tell you is this. Um, Florida and Texas will offer you the best offer, uh, archery training experiences that you can get. Carolinas in some places, and it's because nowhere else in the world can you get training by fire where if you're trying to kill a deer, you can become the victim of an alligator or a fucking wild boar. Or a boar. <laughs> a boar, for sure. For I had sure. a guy wreck a truck hit a boar. What you consider uh, a pig and what they consider a boar in Texas, a pig is like a little little thing where a boar is the size of a fucking Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, start yeah. that's chasing you has teeth, and his only purpose in life is to kill you. And he'll chase you to the water, at which time the alligator will get you in the water. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the Carolinas, <laughs> in, in some rivers, the yes. gator won't get you. The boar will get you on land, and if you're in a river that has freshwater bull sharks, you're triple fucked. So yeah, it's, way. it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. can agree. I, I can cool. agree. The only bad so thing about Florida is our deer, teeth. like Great Danes. Yeah, his his their deer are tiny in Florida. Yeah, that that that, yeah, that, that can be a challenging shot. I mean, I mean, granted, if if you go to Texas and you try to look for like an access deer or something, that's the deer that's gonna piss you the fuck off, no matter what. You you better have a fast bow, yeah. silencers, everything, because that thing's gonna be like, oh, I heard that shit, Matrix, and just fucking just dips your arrow on you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I call them. I, I call them the Matrix deer because mm-hmm. the, the one the one access that I did get, um, I knew he was gonna do what he was gonna do. Where the the guy who shot before me, the deer literally stepped back two feet before his arrow got there, and it just went right by him. Like, oh. Okay, he couldn't go forward because he was by an out, by an outcropping of rocks. So I'm like, "You're gonna move backwards, aren't you, you son of a bitch?" So mm-hmm. I aimed at his ass and oh, I hit him right geez. through his heart. Oh, nice! <laughs> I'm like, "Try that Matrix bullshit with me again." That's what. Happens. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I know it, it, it is I'm, true. I'm heavy arrows and at 280, 280, they laugh at the, like you're just shooting 280. You need a maximum of 350 to shoot my ass. That's that's how they are. Yeah, so yeah. everything presents a different training opportunity for you to either get really frustrated or in the case of Texas, South Carolina, whatever, to get fucking eaten. One yeah, to get eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only country, the only place that's got it worse is Australia. That's Australia to me. Yeah, Australia only been there once and uh, we'll never go back again. I, I don't think uh, only because when they tell you when you get to the hotel room, uh, please close the vents for your for your air conditioning. Occasionally, the brownies like to come through the vents. I'm like, mm-hmm. the fucking brownies? <laughs> We're not talking like Girl Scouts here, like your version. No, no, the brown snakes, the most deadly snake on the planet. I'm like, through your fucking hotel vents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, yes. Fuck that. So please keep them closed. <laughs> no, no. Like, uh, yeah. oh, there goes my bucket list. Yeah, that, that was stuff. But one of the stories that came out of Australia was like some crazy windstorm or something going on, and apparently some of the spiders know how to make this crazy web that Parachute, they can float through the spiders. air. Yeah, it's like a parachute. Yeah, yeah. 
Like they can make a parachute come pop out of its They're ass. They're non-poisonous. And they like yeah, Steph's terrified <laughs> of spiders. Spider. I'm lucky I don't have shotgun uh, holes in my roof from fucking stepping like spider. <laughs> Just fucking. The guy that I know, he's in Canberra, and he's like, "Well, you know, mate, when we hit, when we have a lot of high like." high windstorms and stuff like that over here. You know those funny movies you have in the States called Sharknado? Yeah, you could have Snake Nado over here where they're just flying around the fucking wind, spinning at you. I'm like, you're serious? Wow. He goes, yes. He, he actually says, he's like, he's seen it once or twice. I'm like, or scorpions and shit like that. I'm like, no, you know, I'm here this time and I came out here to go after your, uh, your version of the water buffalo. It's all good. Um, I ain't ever fucking coming back <laughs> <laughs> That's it, I'm done. Yeah, no. Nah. Uh, like, you know, I've, I've been to all the most fucked up places in the world <clears throat> you could possibly go to, and this ranks up there with beautiful people, beautiful country. No fucking thank you. Not coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's like after Earth, but for real, everything is engineered to kill you. So, so I'm like, no, no, no. I'll have none of that. I, <laughs> I have other ways to try to whack myself. Trust me, I got enough problems of my own. I don't need every planet that's in the country trying to get me. So that's oh, that's God. not my idea. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, but you know, getting back to your guys' forms, everything's cool. I mean, if you were expecting really really bad stuff, no, it's not there. No, it's I just wanted happen. real opinions. I mean, uh, yeah, it's same here. You know, I was just looking forward to you know, I I I always felt I had a good form, never, you know, but <laughs> I don't have coaches in my area. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so. And I haven't had a coach uh, since high school, <laughs> and that was a long fucking time ago. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't realize yeah. I'm in my mid-40s, so. <laughs> that, that term coach goes a long way to mean a lot of different things, and it, unfortunately, some people are afraid to ask for constructive criticism because they'll get the other typical coach sort of answer where you don't know what the hell you're doing. You got to be doing this. You got to be. USA Archery says to do it this way. And I'm like, oh, for the love of God, why are you saying shit like that? And it just discourages people. I, I've always I even if you have something that you're doing really bad, will not say it in a way that makes it sound like you're an idiot. Right. Uh, I'll be like, this is just something you need to work on. It's not something that you should be condemned for, strung up, or hung from a, from a yard on for. It's just something you need to try to work on. And if you don't want to work on it, then there's other ways to fix other things that'll make it balanced out. But just to go and say say to somebody, well, you don't know what the shit you're doing. You got to do this. You got to do this. It doesn't work for anybody. Unfortunately, all too many people do it that way. I mean, I'm not a coach or anything, but I have oh, got to like the Archery GB Facebook page. If you want to trigger them on there, so I've been out and bought a bow and I'm learning to shoot him in back garden. And you watch him go into fucking meltdown. It's, you know, that meme of that woman triggered. It's like the Archery GB Facebook page is populated by these people. And they, <laughs> oh, geez. I'm offended for the you. The number of people on there that want bows to be licensed and regulated in the UK. It's absolute bullshit. What the? Well, we're he we're heading that way here in New York too. So yeah. eventually, they'll try to get something like that from us. But for right now, I, I stay out of the politics of it That's all. I go sit and there and just go, call. Eat a dick, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Archery GB Facebook page: the most used the most used phrases. Go and do a beginner's course. Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I Go and pay you 150 quid to do a like six-week beginner's course. 
Wait, you said six weeks? Yeah, they, they, they do six weeks beginners courses for Archer and GB. Six weeks? Wow. Yeah. And it, the, I believe about 99% of it's done with recurve. You rock up at an Archery BG club with a compound, so I want to do a beginner's course. It's right, put that away, go home, you've been given an Olympic recurve. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's like, um, unfortunately, you know, not to knock her, our one coach we have that's a level two, she strictly only shoots Olympic recurve, so she, you know, doesn't know anything about compound. That's a, to me. That's yeah. the only yeah. bad part that we have with her. She, but she does all the beginners cor- courses that we have, and you know, and does some side ones for people who are learning to shoot Olympic recurve or whatever. But if after that, they're kind, of, you know, kind of left to the wolves. And yeah, luckily that's we have always a problem. Yeah, but luckily we have got a lot of good um, compound shooters and who are very helpful and everything else. You know, anytime someone asks me, oh, they're they're new, they'll be like, so how's my form look? Is it comfortable? Does it hurt? No. Is it consistent? Yes. You're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that, I'm not a coach. I can't tell you much else if it's other than those three things. Well, I thought you even you know, like, and watch that grip. <laughs> That's yeah, they, not all I go. They do that here. I mean, you'll have a lot of people like they'll walk around the shops down here, and I mean, you guys know the shops I deal with between Saluda and Archery Shack and everybody. Um, people will see like they'll walk the line as people are shooting and say, "Okay, this person's got this," and and you'll hear them. Oh, how much is how much weight is your bow, and how much weight is your pull, and this, that, and the other, and they'll kind of associate with that with okay, you're this size. And I should be able to pull this much. And it doesn't work that way. No. And and that's the one thing I get to give my buddy Jamie. Jamie's blunt about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I'm there shooting like the new bows. Every time there's a new bow, I get to shoot them all. It's great because everyone's like, here, what do you think? Let's get your honest opinion about this, that, and the other. Okay, cool, fine. You know, and they hand me, it was an 80-pound Hoyt Turbo. And to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot the new Hoyt. Why not? I, I'll shoot the new Matthews, the Hoyts, the PSEs. I don't, Botech, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll, I want to try the new hotness, whatever. That's fine. You know, <laughs> I'm a gearhead. I want to touch everything that's new and mechanical. So I pull this thing back like it's nothing. You know, and there's this dude walking around. It's like 6'1", jacked. Yeah, like big dude. <laughs> and he's like, I want that bow. Like, thinking I pulled, like, this smooth bow back. Like I said, it's a turbo edition. So it's like a crackhead version of my inertia. I'm used to that type of cam. I can pull that shit like it's nothing. And Jamie just looks at him and goes, have you ever shot a bow before? He's like, no, you don't want that fucking bow. (laughs) And he's like, but that dude pulled it back there, like, kind of smooth. He's like, Anthony's good at that type of shit. He's like, you don't need that bow. Trust me. It's technique, He's like, motherfucker. The guy's like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to try. I want to try it. I'm like, all right, cool. And Kevin, everybody asked me, well, you know, what do you think of it? I'm like, it's good. You know, that, that dump off's a little aggressive. In all honesty, it kind of feels like my inertia. It feels like the 2016-ish PSCs that were on crack, like the, the decrees and the inertias and shit like yeah. that. And I'm like, okay, cool. This, and this guy's like, oh, a big dude wants to try it. I'm like. Well, he ain't no fucking 29 and a half inch draw length. I got news for you. You know, you, you might want to max this cam out. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. So they moved the, the new mods on it and everything. 
He couldn't even move the fucking string. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't get it. He's like, I watched you pull it back. And Jamie just wanders by and goes, told you. And just keeps on walking. You know, and I was like, well, Jamie, what are you talking about? He's like, I told him to ignore what you were pulling back. He's, and he's like, and he just keeps on walking. I'm like, oh, okay. You're like, how did you pull uh, you it back that, that, like that? You know, in, on my podcast, when, when I refer to my girls in particular, the one that she's now 14 who does this, um, and she's, you know, ripping back an 80 pound bow because she knows the proper technique to do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that on, when I'm discussing it on my podcast, so I, you know, I kind of say the more polite things she tells, tells people like, you have no idea how to pull back a goddamn bow or something like that. Mm-hmm. When I leave out things that she says to people when it's like a jockish sort of guy and doing that and he goes how are you doing that and she does this a lot and she'll be like i don't know you figure it out could be you're just a bitch (laughs) (laughs) i feel like someone's getting a pocket quiver and a shot trainer donated for that comment someone won the prize <laughs> you um, need to put the fucking label. Up, Could be your bitch. She showed up to the. She showed up to the range. Um, her her parents are of Russian descent, and she's a really really good kid. But you know, at home they speak Russian and all that. So when when her dad's talking, sometimes he uses a very heavy accent. So she got a T-shirt made that that has a picture of a little girl pointing, and. She goes, look, just read this. And it says, don't be bitch. And her dad will get into it too. Like when he sees one of these guys and his daughter's all 14 years old pulling back the bow and the guy can't pull it back more than once or twice without huffing. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with the bow. And then her dad will get into it like, She's right. Just don't be bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I can agree with that. <laughs> See, and that's the weird part too. You know, I, I've like. She goes, yeah. Oh my god. She goes. Uh, See what my dad said. He said, "Get training, right?" Yeah, I don't think training is going to help you. Just a bitch. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. god. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad we have you on here for this one because I loved I loved hearing that. No, it's, it's just day. like, you know, I mean, like like we've already said, I mean, every one of us have listened to your podcast and obviously got all the tips and whatnot. And I've like even gone off the deep end with some of this stuff. I mean, adding your tips to other things. Like I also listened to, um, what the hell is it called? The Huberman Lab or whatever. He does like all the scientific facts about, uh, you know, raising testosterone and breathing techniques and everything like that. And I don't know. I mean, you might hear it in the video because I know I breathe loud. Um. I literally take two deep breaths before I go to pull my bow back and I breathe out when I pull the bow back and then I don't breathe again. And I figured okay. out now my timing. If I hit 12, the bow stops. And that's when okay. I tend to fight. The bow will go off like almost immediately. And it, yeah. it, it's so strange. And, and you, you try to explain to people like, dude, it's, you're a big dude. It's just like living weight, lifting weights. One, why are you holding your breath when you're trying to move something heavy? That's in any sort of leverage technique, you're taught to br- breathe out when you do the heavy yeah. movement and this mm-hmm. and that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it, I was like, and also it's a different movement. I'm like, this, this, this is something you've never done before. That muscle in your back, this is nothing like, you know, any sort of pull-ups or any, this is something different. I was like, you have to learn, you know, it, try to explain to someone it's all technique. But I'm a strong guy. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. 
My wife's five foot two well, and pulls you, a fifty-five did you see pound the video bow. video Cam Haynes did with Mark Bell, where Mark Bell, the powerlifting champion, tried to pull Cam Haynes' eighty draw Cam Haynes' eighty pound bow back. He couldn't even move it. Yeah, and it ended up with Cam grabbing his arm and yanking his arm back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like I'll stand behind people and show them how to draw the bow back the first time. And say if they just bought it out of the store and it's a 60-pound bow, when I see something going on, I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. I, I don't want to make you feel weird or not, but I'm going to stand behind you almost chest, my chest to your back, and I'm going to help you pull the bow. I'm not a five-year-old. I'm like, okay, you came to me so I can help you, right? Yes. Okay. So the first thing, the first stage in learning how to help, unfortunately, I'm going to have to tell you like this. Don't take it personal. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> right, turn on the sexy music. What we're gonna do is, and we're going to do this. You're, you're, you're going to start to pull the bow back, right? I'm going to guide your arms. Let's go. And I guide their arm back, and they're pulling, and they get the bow back. They try to do it on their own. They can't do it. So for the, I've seen adult guys, whatever, it doesn't make a difference, where I'm, for the first two weeks, I'm standing behind them, drawing it so they can just learn the path of how it goes because they can't put two and two together and then eventually i just have my my hands very loose around them and then i'm not touching them all and they're like oh i, I still not get it i'm like well you've been doing it for the last 10 times by yourself so just get with it you know it has to do with technique if you don't know the technique i don't care how strong you are yeah. it's not mm -hmm. going to work yeah. you can only get away with so much of it for so long before it catches up to you and you might be a big buff guy and maybe you can get lucky and pull that bow back 10 times well guess what on the 11th time that shit's not going to work because mm -hmm. now your body's just going to give out and say i can't fucking do it so the next time you go out there and you're going to pick out a bow um let's not buy an 80 pound bow unless you're ready for it you know um and a lot of times it just comes down to either what a shop has or the machismo factor either one oh well you know if these guys are getting 80s i'm getting 80s i'm like okay okay that's what you're into that's the other thing <laughs> I like to here. do. That's the other thing I like to do when I mess with people about that type of stuff. When the guy's big and brawly, whatever, and they they, they think they could do it, it's like oh, and they get all happy, like ha ha, I pulled it back. All right, bitch, try and let it down. <laughs> Let's see what happens. It's like first yeah, tip number one. Usually... Yeah, it's like first tip number yeah. one: get your face away from the fucking string because you might right hook yourself. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, I got this. And you watch that front arm just disappear into the string. It's like, how you feeling? Oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot worse backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what I tell people is it's, you got to learn the three steps. It's draw, anchor, fire, and then you repeat. Draw, anchor, fire, repeat. If you're not cut out for the bow or your technique sucks, then it's going to be, Draw, anchor, fire, try to let down fucking derail. <laughs> Go anchor, <laughs> let down derail. <laughs> you know, and you'll keep derailing until you go yeah. out of style. So I, I have a Genesis bow, <clears throat> and I usually have them start out with that, and they're like, why am I doing this with a Genesis bow? I'm like, because you're going to do it with a Genesis bow until I'm sure you're not going to wreck your own bow. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, let down. They derail the Genesis, which I have it as such a lightweight. I can put it back on the rails with my hands without putting it back on the oh, bow. Yeah. I'm like, go ahead. Do it again. Fucking derails. Like, well, what am I doing? Like, you're pulling too much to one side. I told you, draw even. And then, oh, well, I want to try this with my bow. I'm like, you derail your bow. It's a different story. You're it's going to burn cams and stuff. It's more than $100 <laughs> in some cases. Uh, you know, you're going to need a new set of cams and all that. 
PSC is pretty good with it where, you know, if something like like that happened, the revenue is <coughs> good. They'll just replace, you know, whatever parts need to be replaced, thinking that maybe there was something wrong with it or something like that. But, yeah, draw, fire, let down, fucking derail. No, keep doing it with the right poundage until you're proficient at it, then slowly build it up. And when you can let down every single time, whenever you need to, that's fine. My ultimate test for the girls is before they go on to the next weight, say if they want to go from 40 to 50 pounds, okay, so you're at 50 pounds, but you want to shoot that in a competition, stand there, shoot a 300 round without ever firing an arrow. Yeah. So draw it back, aim, let down. Draw it back, aim, let down. Draw it back, aim, let down. And if they're ready, they'll get through the whole round without ever firing an arrow, without ever having any kind of hiccups. If they're not, somewhere around the 30th, you know, the 25th hour or the 30th, they're either going to fire it off because they can't hold it anymore. Um, but that's a good test to see what they're doing. You know, it's just something that I do. And people look at me like, why are you students shooting on the field and they're not shooting? I'm like, oh, they're shooting. Yeah. But they're letting down every time. I'm like, it's what I have them do. But this point was like, Really? Can you let down your bow? No? Go away. <laughs> well, I mean, that, and if you think about it, also, that's a very good training because a lot of people are not, they, they, they don't let down, period. I mean, it I took don't. me and him forever oh, yeah. to even yeah. remotely think about letting down because it just became, all right, I'm starting to wobble, I'm starting to wobble, and all of a sudden my brain would just kick into timing mode and I'm just going full send, fuck it, you know? Yeah, and the other thing is when you try to let down, most people switch from using – like if you're taught to use your shoulder on the draw and the arm is relaxed, for some reason the gears change and they start to let down with full tension on their arm, forearm, and hand instead of their shoulder, mm -hmm. and that's how they derail a bow. Because if you look at your arm, the segments are all at angles. Right. So when you let it down, guess what? The angle's going to go one way with all that, and the string's coming right off the fucking cam. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. So – a lot of people are fearful of doing it, but the fear has got to be, you know, you have to be comfortable with learning how to do it, learning how to let down before I even say you're comfortable learning how to fire every time. Hmm. Cause it's just a, a sign of, I can control this and I'm fine. Loss of control for any reason is going to result in poor performance. So until you can control it, you know, you don't move up. You, you just stay where you are and some people get with it and some people don't, but hmm. I try to keep them safe. So they all get with it. Makes me feel better. This is one of my biggest things at the moment, just learning to let down when the shot doesn't feel right. And I'm doing it more and more. You know, you're at full draw. You are wobbling or something doesn't feel right. And it's now, I'm at a point now where I can actually let down. I'm not, I don't feel like I've got a hammer trigger and get that arrow gone. I'll let down, reset and then go again. And that's been a massive thing for me, being able to, make that decision that no this ain't right it's time to let down now i yeah. i agree a hundred percent i've even noticed like weird things now i mean and, and angel credit to you because your th podcast is what was finally got it to me where i had to break myself of just going full send and yeah. of actually letting it down and it's at the point now where I I did it today, didn't I? Mm -hmm. I drew back and I felt something wrong, and it's stupid. I felt something wrong I that was in my front and, hand. Yeah, yeah he got I deleted it. it, but right, he he pulls back and he's like, mm, something no. was wrong. I felt like something was wrong at my front hand. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I got to let it down real quick, and then you know, let down, reset my hand back where I normally would have it, and then drew back. It was like, okay, boom, and we were done. I, you know, it was a twelve or something like that, and. You know, it, 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 it's so strange um, 
how little things like that make you to me the letting down portion actually made me pay attention more of the finer details of my shooting like now like i said i but my i bring my breathing into account now my timing i know if i count to 12 in my head my bow is going to go off because i know exactly yeah. that's the point where even with my injury on the left shoulder and you know you helping me and suggesting the draw length change and all that mm -hmm. i have no more pain i know at 12 between 11 probably 11 and 13 that's when the bow suddenly just stops moving yeah and that's when i have the most tension my thumbs wrapped around that fat ass barrel on my sx2 and the bow's gone that's it the arrows just disappear <laughs> but in that process i've known i've noticed probably if i get to six or seven i notice where the problem yeah. is and that's when i can let down so with my target shooters, I'm a little bit more lax with it, you know, like develop it over time. It's fine, whatever. With my bow hunters, I am not. Um, and I teach a course which I came up with on my own, for lack of a better word. When we teach the bow hunter safety courses, I'm a state instructor. We teach basically how not you get yourself killed in the woods, all safety and mostly regulations and stuff like that. Not much about actual shooting and stuff like that. So I came up with a bow hunter course that i teach guys who it's completely free they calm down and i teach them about angle shooting out of trees and stuff like that but i had seen the original men in black and it gave me an idea so what i do is i'm like okay a movie now they don't idea? know what's happening the what's yeah, that you said <laughs> men in black i'm like movie? Whoa, whoa, wait where did this suggestion oh, come from yeah, they, yeah they, i'm like they, men in black what they they don't know what's coming the, the, the first time they see it, but, and I make sure that it's each individual guy and he don't see what's, he don't see what's going on in the range at the time. And what I do is I set up a deer target at 20 yards okay. and I have a rope pulled around a pole, which is to the right side of the deer, to the left side of the deer. And I have this other board set up, which is about maybe five yards away from the deer, but level with it. And the rope goes behind the board and all that. So the deer's slightly behind and I'm like, okay, go up and draw on the deer. Okay. And as they're drawing, like this, I want you to be able to, to let down if you have to. And they're like, yeah, 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 I'm not going to have to let down, whatever. And what I do is I have a, car a cardboard cutout. It's about three and a half feet tall of a kid on a skateboard. And what I do is I pull on the rope and oh, it pulls the kid shit. on the skateboard in front of the deer. And then I'm like, you're going to let down. And nine out of 10 times, that, that kid with the skateboard has five holes through it because they can't let down. So they're like, why is it such a big thing to let down? I'm like, that's exactly why. Because it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a kid's gonna run into gonna run in front of you in the name in the middle of the woods. But it can be if a deer you're not supposed to shoot is gonna do that. Or if God forbid you shoot you're shooting on public land, you could have someone walk in front of the deer and not even realize it in the path of the arrow. It doesn't have to be directly in front of the deer. It could be 10 yards in front of the deer and your arrow is in that direct path. So the first time they see it, it blows their mind and it re it, it reinforces the importance of being able to let down and have control of every single shot. Because yep. 95% of the people who shoot cannot let down. Or you have and idiots who stress it over and over again about that. Or you have idiots who have a tendency to go look for their arrows after missing the target and end up behind the target next to it. Yeah. Exactly. I had, the, I had that instance. I had, that. I had one of those instances at my range. Yeah. And the girl girl loses her arrow, goes to go look for it, and ends up behind the target of someone else's. 
while that person was at full draw. Yeah. And she pops up right behind it, and he was like, oh, shit. He dumped his shit quickly into the ground. So when I do it with this with this roll-by board that's got the, the kid on the skateboard, and it, I pull it literally to stop is in front of the deer, it freaks people out. And I'm like, you have to be able to control your shot and stop it. So just saying, I, you know, I already drew back. I have to send it. It's not an excuse. And it literally will. Some, sometimes I've had it with, with, I've only taught this course twice because it's hard to get place, places to teach it, that sort of thing out here, mm-hmm. to teach it in the field. But I've had it happen twice where the guy could not shoot after seeing that. He's like, he had to stop and get himself together for like 10 or 15 minutes. I'm like, dude, this is what I'm stressing to you. You need to be able to do it. And it, if that's what it takes to get it through their head, you have to have control, then that's what it takes. But mm-hmm. like I said, it's not my own invention. I saw that in Men in Black. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. they, he's at the shooting range and they have the picture of a little girl that, you know, just pops up all of a sudden, which well, you're not supposed got, to shoot. This, but... this girl's like five years old. She's got textbooks on physics yeah, and shit. She doesn't know. belong there. That guy's getting reps. That guy's got a snotty nose. I remember that fucking scene yeah, verbatim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow. somebody somebody deliberately shot the the kid on the skateboard once, and I'm like, "What in the fuck did you do that for?" And I'm like, "Oh, he's an anti. He shouldn't be there in the first place." Oh, oh. <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, "I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that," and he's like, "What? We're not supposed to?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Um, so yeah, I weed out. Was she wearing a Biden shirt? Oh, oh, wow. Ooh. Too soon. <laughs> Go, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, we've had it twice at Paget after after the lockdown because we, we couldn't go down to the club to shoot during lockdown and folks were coming into the woods exercising and we were in there the one day two kids on BMXs round there and a couple of weeks after a guy from the rugby club decided to go jogging behind the targets while folks were shooting Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy! Well, that yeah. well that was on uh, one aired. Um, I think it was an IBO event, wasn't it? Where uh, oh, Bo yeah, Junkie yeah. was Paul, at was doing it. Yeah. Greg Paul was Paul. going crazy about somebody, uh, somebody on a bike in back of the targets. Yeah, could oh, you yeah. imagine that beast of a dude yelling at you? I mean, Greg's. I, I, I've met Greg. He's enormous. Yeah, he's, he's a bald Sasquatch. Right yeah, he he's is nice absolutely. Like me, but he's a bald Sasquatch. You see he is. Six foot seven and built like a brick shit house. He is. I mean, when you see him in a gym, you're like, there's no way this dude is actually a professional archer. I mean, there's no way. Maybe a fucking linebacker, but an archer for real? You know, you see the size of his shoulders. You're like, what does this guy have? Like a 38 inch draw length? Look at the size of him. Don't make bows, You know? And now they're like, oh, I shoot a PSC. I'm like, we have a draw length that long in our system? Holy shit. It's the Gillingham 8-inch D-loop. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. The, the first time he was doing it, I think they took a Performix 40 and they put the full-size Evolve cams on it because we had the SC cams only at the time. Mm-hmm. But to make his draw length fit, they put the full-size Evolve cams and that fit his draw length because it made it so much bigger. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, and, that, and he called it the Blackjack or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember him doing the build video on that one. It was a custom build for it, so they did that. The dude is huge and immense, yeah. but he's the biggest teddy bear if you ever meet him and talk to him. Yo, yeah, nice no, he, he was super friendly. When I first walked, when I first seen him, 
because it was the day I met uh, Gillingham. And I, I was asking Gillingham because I had seen his gold tip video that, uh, with his recommendations about yeah. it doesn't matter if it's five, six, put it on a spinner, watch the wobble from both sides, cut, you know, mark them. Who gives a shit about where your logo is and all this nonsense? You can make your arrow the straightest possible if you do the work. All right, cool. He buried that shit in my head for 25 minutes. It was great. It was, oh, that's a video that got me wanting to build my own arrows. He's yeah. building better arrows. I've, I've watched that video, but. It, in the video, you see him talk like, like a representative for a company. But when you talk yeah. to him in person, he talks to you like just the average person talking about it. And he, oh yeah. And he's like, yeah, I know. In the video, he's like, I, I kind of gave it like the specs, and he's like, this is the no bullshit reason why. You watch the wobble from both ends. He's like, anything past three is fucking perfect. Like yeah. he broke it down to me like. It needed to be broken down to be someone like me. Because I'm a visual person. I do everything visually, hence why I'm a mechanic. I can repeat processes. Yeah. And and then I met Greg like a little while later. It must have been like 20 minutes later. When I seen him, I'm like, damn, bro. TV makes you look big. In person, this shit's absurd. I'm like. <laughs> and when you see his wife in the videos with him, then you realize she's probably like 5'10". Because she doesn't look short with him. And then you do see like you just see him and you're like, this motherfucker's huge. Well, you know, the five ten are wearing twelve inch platforms. Something. <laughs> I mean, I hope I she is. Greg Poole has to be careful at Reading in case I think he's the Sasquatch target. <laughs> I think that's the reason for the Hawaiian shirts. Everyone's like, nah, that's Greg right there. Don't aim for that. You know, but, but I mean, very cool guy. You know, you know, very. Fr- I mean, so far there's only been. And I'm not going to say his name. There's only been one person in archery who I can absolutely say was a dick. And I'll, I'll, I don't care to ever, like, meet that person ever again. Cause it was, oh, there's a few of them. Yeah, yeah well, I've only met one that's been that way. Like, I, I've ran into Levi and stuff, and he's very friendly. Um, I got a hello out of Dan once, uh, which was about it, because I could see that wasn't the, 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 the dude to talk with. Um, you know, but there there was one dude that he was just straight up. No, I don't have time, and just like boop, and just dipped on people. I don't have, I, I don't have, which time I don't like. like that. You know, very bad to me. That's a, just a very bad representation for a company. Or was a this a very tall person? Yes. Did he work for Hoyt? I'm trying not to mention names. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, yeah, you you know exactly who I'm talking about. So, uh, did it sound like Pamela Anderson? (laughs) Oh God, he's such a dick. Hey, I don't have the best of luck with Hoyt people, anyways. No, 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 no. Like, like to me, like, right, you know, meeting Gillingham was cool because that was just like the wealth of knowledge getting dumped on you on one topic. Cool, you know, that was great. You know, and then when I met cousins, yeah, <laughs> I can absolutely believe all the shit people say about his sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Because you want to see someone instantaneously just start ripping jokes on people. Dave Cousins is talented at that shit. <laughs> He's also impossible to shoot against in a, in a shoot off. Oh <laughs> so yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, but yeah, but this this all. 
from the people that I, I've spoken to and got emails from, Dave's notorious for whispering to people while he shoots. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, like, like and you'll hear him like, "Don't aim at the nine. like, like real faint, and they're like, "What?" And the arrow goes off. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it was imagine Lancaster was one of the initial, uh, one of the one of the initial of uh, um, elimination matches, and. <laughs> He he has a habit of starting idle conversation about the weirdest shit with you. Yeah. And I I don't know what the frick it was that he said to me, and, it, and I'm like, really? And I'm like, trying to tune this dude out. It's impossible. <laughs> you can't do out. it. He is good at that. Cause I mean, when I met him, I mean, it was a very small, like you know, nonchalant conversation yeah. and stuff like that, and very friendly, and everybody shook everyone's hand, said, yeah, you know, and. It was cool, and then I seen one of the other pros start to fucking try to mess around with him. Yeah, and in ten seconds, he mind fucked this dude in like ten seconds, <laughs> like absolutely had him twisted so he couldn't even respond anymore. Oh my god! And I'm like, I swear to God, I grew up with people like this. This is fantastic! Wow, we need to have archery rows. He probably need that shit. to find out what's going to trigger you. Yeah, you know, and like when you're on the line shooting, what you're not supposed to say that he might say something like, "So, uh, while while you're a full draw, like say hello to your mom for me." Or yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the type that he is. He doesn't mean anything bad. But that's just the type of dude he is. He's one of the funnest guys to be around that you can, but he's mm -hmm. also one of the most knowledgeable guys. So he's another one. Don't get him started on how to tune something, because God help you, you'll be there. Oh, for I know you'll be there for a while. But even one of the guys, <laughs> one of the guys that I had met there. I guess shot against him in like a local competition just to yeah. be fun. And I guess he made it to the end and he had to shoot against Dave Cousins. And <laughs> apparently Dave's like, yo, don't forget about that conversations. You forgot about the two clicks, right? And he walked the fuck away. And the guy was like, fuck, did I have this conversation? Holy shit. <laughs> and he's good at doing it like straight face. Like you swear you had that conversation with him. And I'm like, he did yeah. that to you. He's like, he did that to me, and that fucker, I shot an eight on the first shot. <laughs> he's like, he just wrecked me through the rest of the thing, just straight. He's like, he said, I let the first arrow off, and the only you heard out of my mouth was, you're a dick. And he's like, he's like, I put the two clicks back to where it was supposed to be. And I'm like, oh, my God, that that is pure talent. Uh, it's like me. I, I teach my girls to trash talk if they have to trash talk, you know, get inside the head of your opponent and stuff like that. It works very well. Some of them, it comes natural to them. Don't ask me why. Uh, but it just does. But, uh, you know, I that's kind of what I tell them. Like, you know, you have to learn your other tools that you have to work with. Just keep within the rules and don't worry about it. So they, they do that. But I had one one once where one of the girls was getting harassed by some some they were shooting teams competition and one of the mixed mixed pair teams on the other side was giving her a hard time one of the guys was giving her a hard time Ooh, and good. she pulled she pulled a movie stunt on me where she just went over to the guy and whispered in his ear the guy looked at me and i'm not kidding i think he actually pissed his pants oh, <laughs> she, she like, tell you what it was and i i yeah i asked her and she goes Nothing, nothing at all. He just thinks you're gonna find him and chop him into pieces and mail him back to his home state. Oh, oh man! <laughs> and, and and the guy went, you know, after the competition was over and all that. I I wanted to go talk to the kid because he was, you know, like 12 years old, whatever it was. I I, I wanted to say, you know, don't don't worry. What she said wasn't true. And as I got about four feet away from the kid, 
I'm not kidding. He dropped everything he had and literally jumped over the bleachers. <laughs> kept going. Turned white. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pr- pretty much, yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's not what I wanted. But they do whatever they got to do to get people to leave them alone, too. So it, it helps. However, if you are harassing one of my girls, it just put, I'll put it out there that, uh, yes, I would do something like that to you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Damn. I meant to do that one. <laughs> that's like we also have like one I, I don't remember which club he's in i don't remember if it's a kiwi or a tab but we have a, a a guy who's originally from england in one of the clubs yeah and every time i talk to him it, it just reminds me of rich because he's got the same tone voice but he does he does the to what americans think is like the the most like american sound you could ever hear is rick flair doing his woo thing for some reason to Americans, the most English thing is when you hear an Englishman go, oi, like that. And he'll do it while people are at full fucking draw. And then just see fucking arrows banging off trees all over the fucking place. And I'm like, but before he does it, he'll do the. Take a real good listen. Watch. I'm like, what? what are you talking about? And he'll do it loud as shit and fucking you hear like four arrows hit trees. And I'm like, you better run. You just cost a lot of people money. <laughs> <laughs> it, gets him, it gets him every time I'm like You do this often? Ah, well, like once a tournament I'm like oh my god man You're an asshole yeah, we, we got one guy who comes to, to the outdoor range And he's he's straight up the, the heaviest Irish accent you've ever seen He's been here maybe five years Okay Um He's not the nicest to everyone over there. So sometimes I'll just, you know, I don't, I get along with the guy, but sometimes when he's being a dick to other people, I will poke fun at him. And, and I'll be like, hey, why don't you Brits just shut it up over there? And he'll turn around and be like, I'm not bloody fucking British. I'm goddamn Irish, you motherfucker. <laughs> He's like, you want to see me in my fucking kills? <laughs> that just completely shuts him up. <laughs> oh my god, you you're gonna wake up one morning to a pipe bomb under your bed from him. <laughs> I mean he means well and all that, but when he gets on people's nerves because he's very loud and he he's found a way to get under my skin now because he actually plays the bagpipes and he'll be in the park playing his fucking bagpipes, but it sounds like someone strangling the bagpipes. So yeah, I basically want to send an arrow over his way to shut him up, but, but he oh, just geez. keeps fucking doing it. So he'll be in the parking lot playing his bagpipes, recording himself and stuff like that. I actually think I, I have to ask him what he says. I think he's a cop, so he might be playing for like one of the police bands or something. Like oh, that. But if that's what he's that playing, would possibly geez, that would make horrible. perfect sense. An Irish guy in New York City playing bagpipes is either police or fire department. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. Police or fire. Exactly. I was going to say I watch Blue Blood, so it's got to be police or fire department. I, I don't know, man. My in-laws, most of my in-laws are Irish, and they all are fi- <laughs> FDNY, fire department, retired fire department, and every one of them plays the bagpipes. And here's my Italian pasta at fucking eating ass going, uh, is this supposed to well, sound like dying whales? <laughs> like, like, well, we like been on the I gotta go. I gotta drop. Uh, someone right. just sent me a message, so I gotta go and get out of here. So oh, yes, I'm gonna disconnect. It has been a blast. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On, man. Oh, yeah. Um, All right, fun. Angel. Let everybody know where they can find you. Okay, so anyone who wants to find me can find me at High 
highpowerarchery.com. You can email me at uh, highpowerarchery at gmail.com. You can find us on the Facebook page or on Instagram. Um, the only thing I, I would appreciate is if you uh, posted or something like that, because you know how to share the things better than me. Yep. I may, on my last podcast, I put a link to Leanne's college fund thing. That's for my apprentice. Uh, she's trying to get her tuition for college. So anyone who can help out with that, please do. Anthony, if you can just spread that link out somewhere, I don't know how to do it on Instagram. I've tried yes, it. It never sir. works. I will take care of but, it. But uh, I made a, sh a shortened version of it on there, so it should be easier for people to find. But, uh, yeah, it's been great. Richard, it's always fun hooking up with you. Uh, you know, Dougie will do a Target podcast. Eventually. Like I said. <laughs> we'll, we'll do all no, we'll get it done. Uh, it's just with my weird work hours and stuff like that. And my schedule, too, sucks ass. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop out of here before I catch beaten <laughs> and I'll talk to you guys later. Right. All right. All right. Have Take a great easy. night. Thank you for everything. Later. All righty. So, all right. Now that Angel's gone, this has been a damn fucking fun experience between <laughs> the three different podcast groups. And we got Dougie in here. Um, all right, Rich. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's such a giggle. Oh yeah. So let everyone know where they can find you at also. Right. Usual podcast sites, just search Archery Geek Outdoors. Instagram, Archery Geek Outdoors. Uh, they can get hold of me on email, archerygeekoutdoors at gmail.com. And Twitter at A underscore G underscore Outdoors. All right. And remember, All right. he's across the pond for everybody over in England that happens to listen to us or the Australians that we made fun of tonight. <laughs> feel free to find rich <laughs> so thank you for everybody for listening having fun with us coming along for this ride of getting uh our critiques done and the general Just fun fuckery that followed in that so everyone have a wonderful time have fun get out there go shoot remember there's always people that are friendly in the group that will help you out you can reach out to any of us we're very guys loving can reach out in england plus i mean rich also has the advantage of uh knowing rob jones who's also on the trad end of the spectrum who's also an awesome person so everybody thank you for coming along for the ride have a great night and we're out